So uh, on Twitter it said, what is the best magic card name that would be best for a beer, basically? Okay. So specifically a magic card, not, uh, not like, of course, you have the magic, you have the best beer named after magic with red beer Thank wins. You. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but the best magic card. Uh, so the first things I was thinking about, I'll give you a couple minutes to think about it, but the first things I was thinking about were like, I feel like lands would usually are pretty good at meaning other things. Like, um, the Shocklands are good at, uh, <laughs> well, have you seen that thing where the, all the Shocklands are like, uh, referring to lady parts is basically what it is. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause all the Shocklands are like blood crypt or, uh, <laughs> overgrown, overgrown tomb, tomb. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and stuff like that. So I was thinking, okay, I feel like, hallowed fountain. yeah, <laughs> temple garden, all that stuff. So yeah. anyway, um, uh, so going kind of with that, but in a beer realm, I do think maybe some of the fetch lands sound pretty cool, but I think like, all right, so would you drink like a, uh, polluted Delta milk stout? I mean, I definitely would, but would I drink it if I didn't know magic at all? <laughs> yeah. Would it seem weird? I mean, maybe Misty Rainforest still sounds good. Yeah. I'm thinking just like in general lands, maybe not like the, the original duels, like Scrubland? I don't know if I'd want to drink that. Taiga? Eh, Taiga could be okay. Now, what if we were allowed... Like, what if the brewery was named after a magic card? I mean, I do like that. Like, what if it was the Brainstorm Brewery? That's pretty cool. Brainstorm Bra Brewing. Brainstorm <laughs> Brewing? Well, that that also just sounds like a, like a podcast or like a cool YouTube channel, I guess. But, like... Brainstorm could be a beer, though, you know? That, that for sure could be a beer. I was thinking some, like, black cards, like... <laughs> I would just want like pestilence or like um, now Modern Horizons 2 we have Dam but which is not even a magic card name. yeah that's cheating it feels like yeah. <laughs> what about di Asma yeah Kazma dies to Karandamakar or whatever yeah, yeah. <laughs> that'd be good I think we, we um, hit the nail on the head there I, I think that's probably maybe the best beer name <laughs> But anyway, I just thought, you know, maybe this will be something we keep talking about throughout the episode. Oh, totally. I will get back to you on this. For sure. Episode. I know that there's there's the perfect magic card name for a beer out there. I just don't know what it is. But we'll find it. Maybe. Dubious challenge. Ooh. <laughs> I kind of like that. Dubious challenge would be a sweet beer name. Yeah, because it would be like if it was really high in alcohol. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's totally like... Are you uh, sure? <laughs> I like okay. So far, dubious challenge is the best one. I like that one the most. Also, the best magic card. So uh, works out. Uh, I don't know about that one. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode thirty-four of the Arena Regulars podcast. I'm Zach and I'm Jeff, and we're your source for weekly drunken Magic: The Gathering Arena content. Yeah, basically, just we're two regular dudes drinking irregular beers, talking about Magic: The Gathering, and in particular. The Client Magic the Gathering Arena. Yes. And this episode, we are talking all about magic slang. So different words that magic players use that nobody else understands what they mean. Uh, but we have a special... It's like our special little language, I guess. Yeah. I was going to say jargon, but I guess it, it's not jargon anymore because 
jargon has to be tied to like a professional uh, somebody's job. Oh, really? I said no, now that no one can be a professional magic player, it's no longer jargon. There yeah, you go. Yeah, it's, just, it's like you can't consider it jargon. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but first, each week we both bring a beer, we drink our own, then drink each other's, then rate them on a scale of bronze to mythic, and choose the best for last. So with that, Jeff, what is on tap? All right, I brought something I'm very excited about today. This is called Valley Flora, mm. and it just caught my eye in the uh, local liquor store. And um, let me just double check where it's from. I know it's not local. It's from Portland, from Portland, Oregon. Mm. A place called Cascade Brewing. Uh, and I've actually heard good things about the beer scene in Portland. Uh, but it's a barrel-aged red ale with Pinot Noir grapes. Has a little, little 2017 stamp on the front here. So it's been aging for quite some time. And uh, I just saw that. And we don't get awesome stuff like this into the local LCBO too often. So I just had to pick up a couple and, and do it on the show. What did you bring? I brought... Something that is very local. Uh, this is from Side Launch. It's their Cherry Wit, which is, of course, a wit style. Uh, and it's 5.4%. And there are uh, cherries in, like, a stained glass thing on the can. Uh, so cool. very normal. Yours, yours is uh, quite, quite eccentric and, and exciting, so I, I'm excited to try that one. Yeah, I went a little fancy this week. Just a little, but yeah, I like it. It's good. It's, a, it's like a dubious challenge. <laughs> yeah. This could have been called that. You know? It could have. This is like half beer, half wine. It's 10%. Yeah. <laughs> uh, magic news. Uh, always the news right right after we... Literally, yeah. Right after we <laughs> release an episode. Uh, last week, out of nowhere, just, just out of nowhere, uh, Watsi decides they are going to ban Time Warp in Historic. Well, I mean, to be fair, we send them the unedited script of our episode... They that, consider that is what true. we have to say, you know, mm-hmm. and they, they was like, oh, well, Jeff was thinking maybe ban just Time Warp. And, yeah, uh, and so Zach was like, don't ban anything. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that was great. Um, always fun, yeah. little surprise. But, uh, it's literally twice in a row that they've banned it on the day that our show where we talk about whether they're going to ban something comes out. Yeah, and it's always us talking about how they're not going to ban something. They're going to wait to see if... <laughs> Maybe we should just call for, we just, every episode now we just say, oh, this card's banned now. And hey, we just, hey, to be fair, last time we said they're not going to ban, they're not going to ban Brainstorm. That's true. Which they didn't do. They didn't do that. <laughs> and the time before that, we said they're not going to ban Tainted Pact, which they didn't do. That's true. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. So we know what they're not going to ban. We just don't know yeah. what they are going to ban. Okay. <laughs> we just couldn't also anticipate the ban. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, as far as the band goes, I'm, like, kind of whatever about it. I don't know. I wish that they waited a little bit longer so we could at least try, you know, let the metagame find its way to, like, parody, but, um, I guess they felt it was too important to get rid of right away. I don't know. I think this is totally reasonable thing to do. Like I was talking about last week, you know, either ban nothing or just ban time warp. Mm-hmm. And the reason is just because um, it lets some of their player base know that, like, they're not just going to do nothing. You know, it makes mm-hmm. them makes people think they're taking action, but it doesn't really stop what a lot of people consider to be the main culprits or what have you. 
because they want historic to be like a fun format. Remember that historic was never supposed to be competitive. It's only been competitive because uh, the pandemic forced them to, if they wanted to do anything other than standard, mm-hmm. it's a competitive format. They needed something. So originally historic was meant to just be for fun. And so now they're like injecting all these super powerful cards. And that just seems in line with their original view uh, of historic. Of, hey, let's just give a whole bunch of really powerful cards and we'll ban them if they get too bad and yeah. they're ruining players' experiences, but it's not that important that we keep a steady ban list because it's not a competitive format. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, like, because originally they wanted to have like a suspension list and then they get banned and it's like goes through that. Um, mm-hmm. They've kind of thrown that out the window. They're just going straight Yeah, they just straight banned. Yeah. It, yeah. Um, which I'm fine with. Like, I don't, the suspension list mainly meant it was going to get banned anyway, so it didn't really matter. Um, Plus, it's totally pointless. You're allowed to just remove something from the ban list. So Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it, it just means, hey, this card's banned, except for you don't get wild cards for it, is what that suspension list means, basically. <laughs> it's just like, People caught on, and so they stopped doing yeah. it. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, this is big because it's the first card that they banned from Mystical Archive, besides the pre-banned ones. But um, Correct, yeah. So that is... Because we, we were talking about Tainted Pact, and they're like, well, they don't want to ban any of the new cards that just got injected into the set. They'll ban an old card that's been around. So they didn't do that. Um, which is great. Awesome. I, I guess it just it is nice to see that they are living by their word, which they said when they put Mystical Archive into Historic, they were going to keep an eye out on it and, mm-hmm. and actually ban cards. And this time they actually did. So, okay. They're doing what they said they were going to do. You can't get mad for that. Awesome. Glad whatever I, I <laughs> whatever <laughs> i'm ready to talk about something else i guess um <laughs> yeah but they did ban brainstorm so we yes. still got a brainstorm we still got brainstorm there. but i am perfectly fine with that Although um, i think there were more excessive iterations in the top eight than there were brainstorms so yeah I th- what, what really is the the problem enabler that needs to go yeah 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 maybe i don't know we'll see um <laughs> Anyway, storms just blue. You know? Yeah, exactly. So let's get some like blue black decks, some blue green decks. Why is it always got to be blue red? Let's do yeah. Let's just figure th- figure some stuff out. I don't know. Um, anyway, let's move on to our main topic for the evening: magic uh, slang. Vernacular. <laughs> Vernacular. Magic words. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I want to start from the beginning. So. When I was take playing, us all the way back. Yeah, take us all the way back. So when I was playing when I was a kid, um, I didn't really know any slang. I didn't have... I. It was just the cards that we had, and we called them what they were. And uh, maybe my friends had jokes about it, but I wasn't part of the tournament scene. I wasn't playing with a bunch of people I didn't know. So, like, I wasn't privy to any of these things. I don't know if you were, if you knew about these when you were younger. No, totally. Like, if anything, it was... Not only did I not know the slang, I didn't know what the words on the cards even meant. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what your mana pool was, really. And stuff. Yeah, so <laughs> uh, for the most part, it was just trying to learn what the actual names of like playing the game was. And like just that your deck is a library and stuff like that. Um, then when I eventually had come back into Magic, there were all these words that I had no idea what they meant. Mm-hmm. Um like I came, I was even around for like Ravnica and stuff, but I didn't realize people actually used those words. Like totally. I came back later, and it was just like everyone would spout out deck names with like all these Ravnica things and and cons and and uh, shards, and I was like, I I'm not keeping up with anything that's going on. <laughs> uh, 
So that was, I mean, it doesn't matter how long you've played Magic or whatever, depending on how you experience it, you may not know some of these terms, I guess. I already told you, Zach, I'm playing Sultai Sadisi Whip. Why do you keep asking me what's in my deck? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what those cards are. I don't know what colors you're playing, right? Um, so uh, anyway, the, the first thing I just wanted to talk about was uh, the colors, obviously. So everyone knows about the colors, uh, and they are in a specific order. It's Wooburg order, which, of course, is white, blue, black, red, green. And blue is always represented with a U. Uh, this is mainly used in internet things or by the design team when they're making cards. But if you talk to somebody online and they try to explain what uh, mana cost is, they'll use U for blue, which took me longer than it should have to understand what <laughs> <Yeah>. that meant. <laughs> totally. Well, it's just black is has the same first two letters mm -hmm. and uh, comes before blue alphabetically, so it gets the B and blue. Well, you can't use a B because that'd be black. Mm-hmm. BL doesn't really help you out because it's also black, so you yeah. get the third letter. But, like, you know, why isn't black just A? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, yeah, I mean, that would just have, just have no Bs. <laughs> yeah, maybe because it makes it does sound like Wooberg doesn't sound as weird as, like, Wobarg <laughs> would be pretty weird. I don't know. I think it's just out the alphabetical thing. Yeah, it just comes before that, blue alphabetical. That's probably true. I don't. That's really, my best guess. I, <laughs> I usually don't think uh, alphabetically, so I don't <laughs> usually think that way. But um, totally, that that's probably almost exactly what it is. So uh, as we were saying, the uh, there are a bunch of two color combinations. Most of them came from Ravnica, and we got some recent ones as far as like named things from uh, Strixhaven. Uh, we're not going to cover this too much because we do have a great episode about it called Ravnica versus Strixhaven or Strixhaven versus Ravnica. I don't remember what we called it, but uh, you can go back and check that out where we discuss all of those things. But um, first off, like these, uh, these didn't have names before this. So some of the things we'll talk about, a lot of the names uh, are kind of the nicknames are older or things that people used to talk about. But as far as the two color pairs... They were just the colors. Yeah, I remember somebody um, back in the day that I was talking to, you just ask them what deck they're playing. And I remember <laughs> I remember him saying, like, I'm playing Carplucent Forests, which was the red-green Painland. Painland, yeah. And so that was supposed to let me know that they were playing, like, red-green aggro. <laughs> that was, like, the most efficient way we had to get that information across was, like... I'm playing Carplucent Forest in my deck, like, oh, which is already okay. not an easy name to say. Yeah, it's also like, you could also just say Red Green Aggro. It'd be a lot faster, and I would still understand. Um, I do think it's interesting. I wonder how much of the slang... But there was a red, so there was a Red Green Aggro deck that was built around Curdape that didn't play Carplucent Forest because it wasn't a forest for the Curdape. Oh. Uh, so anyways... It was a thing, but I don't know if it was like a worldwide thing or mm -hmm. probably not. Probably just this local guy in my shop decided to, he had been playing this deck and decided that was the fastest way to tell people he was playing that deck. Um, yeah. 
I didn't know what the hell he meant because I was like 12, but <laughs> it always stuck in my mind that he said that because I remember thinking, what a weird way to describe yeah. what deck you're playing. Exactly. Because um, I was always like, you want to ask me what deck I'm playing? I'm going to give you like 20 minutes of me just telling, and then you could do this, and then you could do this. Yeah. And, then, <laughs> and they're like, cool, I am matched up against you next round, and I, <laughs> I know exactly. Yeah, you shouldn't have told me your whole that thing. Um, so that is an interesting thing. So uh, a lot of things people will, I don't know, say about I don't know, games or just slang in general happen to be with the, the people around them. Or like a lot of these are mainstream or mainstream. They're like broader than that. There's enough people talking about it that that's why we actually call it this thing. However, everyone had their own version of whatever. Like, oh, I, I used to call it this because I thought that whatever. Oh, I used to call blue black bruises because they look like bruises or something. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, everyone has those kinds of things. Uh, so we're trying not to <laughs> cover everything cause you know, we can make up anything. It would become our new slang. If me and Jeff talk about it like that all the time, it'll be, right. it'll and, be the new cool the thing. The internet was around, you know, but it wasn't as ubiquitous as it was. Like it wasn't that unusual that somebody wouldn't have a personal computer. Exactly. You know, like yeah. when magic was getting started and stuff. So, you wouldn't just have forums and like Reddit. You didn't have Reddit to communicate mm -hmm. with other people instantaneously. Exactly. You know, constantly and all these shorthands then become not only like they become ubiquitous themselves, but they are necessary. Exactly. Right? If you're going to communicate with someone via a text message, essentially over the internet, like yeah. I can't be writing out the same thing. Too exactly. Times. Like, uh, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit, but it's, it's talking about the internet, how the, uh, if they want to talk about three fairy, right? So to fairy that costs three and they just yeah. replace one of the E's with a three. That is right. something. Usually the first one I've seen. Yeah. Usually the first one. Um, and that's just one of those things that we probably wouldn't have had without like people trying to talk about it on Twitter or Reddit or whatever. Um, I actually remember listening to a podcast where they were talking about to fairies and I remember them saying to fairy three mm. and stuff. And my initial reaction to that was um, the third to fairy that has come out would be to fairy three. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, what, which one is that? Like, which one are they talking about? And then I'd have to think, and then they're like, to fairy five, to fairy five. It's are like, there five to fairies? Which <laughs> is that the most? I guess that's the most recent one from War thus far. But then it just became clear that they were just saying to fairy, and then it's it's man of value mm -hmm. after that, and that was how they were referring to them. Yeah, and those were the only two they talked about because they were you know the most important spikes. Ones. Yeah, uh, and so we will. <laughs> but I remember just being super confused by that. Yeah, I mean, like it is. Confusing. I've never heard it said that way yeah. before. Yeah, and everyone has those moments of you know, like obviously in any situation. No matter how old you are, you've been in a conversation where someone says a word that you don't know what it is, uh, even if you feel like you're part of that community, um, and then you eventually have to be taught. So now, we, actually, at this point in my life, I've learned every word, I know every, every context that every word is used in. Yes, actually. absolutely. Until like, it, it's really bad when like the young kids start like saying words that you don't understand or don't care to ever learn. Uh, oh yeah, we were get, we're getting super off base here, but my wife is on TikTok, mm -hmm. and she. She showed me one once about, ah, oh, forget the word the guy was describing, but he was explaining what a certain word that uh, I guess like Gen Z uses, what it means. And he was a millennial like us. Mm -hmm. So he was explaining to us millennials what this word that Gen Z kids uses, but we couldn't tell if he was joking or not. Like, is this really what it 
it's mean? used for, or is this the exact opposite of what it's used for? And this joke, this is like a meme that we don't get. So we're yeah. sitting there like, I don't know if he's lying to us or not. <laughs> like, is this really how I use the word or not? <laughs> we checked the comments. It turns out it was a joke. That's the okay. that's not what the word means. So that could have been really bad because then you could yeah. forever just think it was something else. Uh, totally. So awkward. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, I'm getting to that age where. Uh, anyway, I'm, uh, we're getting way off track. <laughs> uh, let's go back to two color pairs. So what are the two color pairs? So um, yeah, basically, I just wanted to quickly talk about ally and enemy color pairs. Um, we've we've talked about this before, but it is important to mention because it's really easy to just uh, slip up on, where people just talk about enemy and allies. So sure. uh, basically what it's talking about is if you look on the back of a magic card, there is the color pie, which is the wheel, which is in Wooburg order, like we talked about. Uh, so white, blue, and black, it goes gray, cl green. clockwise, right? And it goes clockwise, correct. Mm -hmm. um, and so every color is touching two other colors. And the colors that they touch are considered their allied colors. So white is allies with blue and also allies with green. However, green and blue are not allies because they don't touch each other on the color pie. Yeah, if you want to put Wooburg like twice in a row, then whatever letters, the two adjacent letters are its allies. Mm -hmm. uh, exactly. Um, this can get uh, pretty confusing when people are like, oh, sweet, this set's going to be all about enemy colors. And like the first time you hear that, it sounds like enemies like... I don't know, the Phyrexians, right? You're like, oh, sick, this is going to be a Phyrexian set? It's like, no, 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 no. We're going to Strixhaven. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it just happens to be enemy colors. Like. Yeah, and they're, and you're like, oh, it isn't... Uh, I remember I heard Morrow talking about it a long time ago about um, allies and enemy colors, and it was around the period of time where they also had rebels and mercenaries, and I thought it had something to do with that and the story. I'm like, wait, so how do I know if this is ally? So the rebels are the allies or the, wait, why? This is really confusing. Turns out it has nothing to do with that. It's just about the color pie. And then he made a creature type called ally in mm -hmm. Zendikar. Just, and just then, to confuse people even more. Than so then maybe next time we go to Zendikar, we're going to get enemy. Yeah. <laughs> <Creature>. Enemy. <laughs> Every time another enemy enters the battlefield, you get an effect. Oh, God. Yeah. Do you think we should run through these, or we should just... People kind of know. I think people mostly know these at this point. Um, but let's just do it. Okay, blue-white Azorius. Blue-black Demir. Black-red Rakdos. Red-green is Gruul. And green-white is called Celestia. Those are the ally color pairs. And the enemy color pairs, uh, for Ravnica, it's Orzov, uh, which is uh, white and black, but it's Silver Quill in Strixhaven. I'll do the same order going down. So it and Prismari are blue and red. Golgari and Witherbloom are black and green. Boros and Lorehold are red and white. And Simic and Quandrix are green and blue. Nice. So moving into three color pairs. Um, Trios. Yes. So most of the, uh, the, the first ones that were named, I guess, that we actually used the, the names for is from uh, Shards of Alara, which is a set all about three color pairs. Because the idea is that the shards are the, the color pie broken into pieces. And so each shard is the three colors of that piece. So when I was talking about white, blue, and green earlier, where white is allied to blue and green, that would be considered a shard. And that shard has a name. And all of it goes all the way around, and then all the shards have names. What I think is interesting about this is that Watsi has 
wanted people to care about color names or they it seems like in the in the early days they were trying to make some things nicknames and they never really stuck but they didn't do it right and then whenever they came out with Ravnica then they made something that stuck right and then they understood oh this is how you make a slang term i guess or a, a yeah. make make a rhetoric which is kind of interesting and i think Watsi saw how well they Ravnica like came across and they've been kind of trying to do that over and over and over again for a very long time <laughs> be like oh that was a really popular set let's make other sets similar to that totally like i think um I think Ravnica was probably a bit of ex- of an experiment, mm-hmm. and then when it it did as well as it did, they learned a lot of kind of lessons from yeah. why it was so like they've been looking back and trying to figure out why is Ravnica so so beloved. Ever yeah, since. and I wonder. Uh, I've always wondered if a little bit of it was that Magic was going through a a shaky period at the time, mm-hmm. where uh, you're coming off of Mirrodin into like Kamigawa, and then you go into Ravnica and. Mirrodin broke a bunch of stuff and Kamigawa, uh, some of like the last set was like pretty uh, bad <laughs> to say the least. And so we had a lot of players who stopped playing because it was dominated by Mirrodin cards. And then uh, Kamigawa came around and then like Umezawa's Jite was everywhere and Divining Top. I don't know if like the player base was low and then this other new interesting set came out that named color pairs and people were like, holy shit, this is what I've wanted forever. I didn't know. And then it, it rebuffed everything. And, and I think the timing of it worked really well. Totally. Right. Cause you need to give people multi, like multicolored when di- artifacts have been dominating stuff for mm-hmm. like a year. And then it's okay. Here's multicolor, like incentive to play lots of colors yeah. instead of playing zero, zero colors. colors or like your colors don't really matter because yeah, I'm sure you had like four of each artifact land in your deck, mm-hmm. but you didn't actually care that uh, you know seed of the synod produced blue. Yeah, besides your like thought cast or something, but like for sure, like anyway. So I do think that's interesting, and we will see that Ravnica had an effect on some of these other things. And Shards of Alar is a big set that did that. Uh, so running through the three color shards, uh, so. White, blue, green is Bant. Esper is blue, black, white. Grixis is uh, black, red, blue. And Jund is red, green, black. Naya is green, red, white. Yeah. And to just say about the shards again, if you just pick any color and then add its two allies, that will always be a shard. Yes. That's the way to kind of build them. Um, and, so, uh, for example, Bant is the... You can think of it as the white, white and friends shard because it's white... And it's two allies, blue, green. Exactly. And uh, it usually focuses on that main color is the most dominant of the other colors. Right. So Esper, blue is the most dominant color because white and black are its allies. So it is, blue tends to be, it has a stronger, I guess, allegiance to blue as opposed to the other ones. Now the other ones, you could pick a color and choose its two enemies. That would be another way to to build a three color pair. Exactly. And those are what we call wedges. Um, And these are super interesting to me because these kind of all had names, but they weren't sort of set in stone before Cons of Tarkir. Um, And I played before Cons of Tarkir a little bit, and then I played during Cons of Tarkir, and then now the Cons of Tarkir names have just taken over, and that's what what everyone uses. Um, So let's go through the the Cons, or the the wedges named after Cons. 
So you have Abzan, which is white, black, green. Jeskai, blue, red, white. Sultai, uh, black, green, and blue. Mardu, red, white, and black. And Teemer is green, blue, and red. And a couple of these just had, like, names already that, you know, people use. And sometimes in really old formats, people still use those names because they... You know, they've been playing for 30 years or whatever, yeah. 20, 20 years. And, like, uh, Abzan is pretty uh, ubiquitously called junk in the early days uh, before cons came out. And uh, I always thought that this was, like, oh, it's it's bad junk, you know? So it's mm-hmm. junk because <laughs> it's, like, black, green, and white instead of black, green, and red. And jund was pretty dominant for a while. But it turns out this junk name actually came before Jund, like Shards of Alara, came out. So this junk name has just been what black, green, and, and white has been called for like, you know, 20 Forever. years. Forever, yeah. <laughs> Which is so funny. Because um, for the most part, the other names refer to the colors that they represent. Or at least the, the color words or those kinds of things. But I like junk because... It's just talking about the cards, what they do. It's like, oh, they, they don't really work <laughs> well together, kind of, but like... It's just a bunch of junk, I don't know. It's a bunch of junk, right? <laughs> and that's what I love about that. Because the other ones are like, so Jeskai, which is blue, red, and white, people used to call USA, because it's just, mm-hmm. you know, that's like the flag. Sure. Okay. There's a lot of other and, countries. And the game is from, you know, the US. The, the US, yeah. There are a lot of countries that could also represent that, so you could say France or whatever, but... Yeah, um, I'm sure if the game was created in France, that's what it would be called. Yeah, totally. Uh, but same with like Soltai was bug because black, blue is U and then G is green. So bug. Okay, that's easy. Um, one that I thought was pretty fun is that people used to call Mardu. They'd either call it brew because it's uh, black, red, little E, and then white, or newspaper, which I thought was really fun. I like that. Because it's black, white, and red all over. It sure is. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I saw you write that. I was like, oh, I like that. Can we go back to that? I know. Newspaper. What? <laughs> play, playing newspaper mid-range. I'm playing newspaper aggro. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that sounds so fun. I That's exactly what I want to do. <laughs> newspaper planeswalker control. Oh, oh man. <laughs> and then Teamer was just rug for the same reason yeah. that Sultai is bug. So um, I do like the, the cons. It's nice that we have some more interesting names. Um, because bug, rug, brew. Definitely, though. But when it came out, I thought they were kind of weird sounding, like Abzan and Soltai. And I was like, I don't know if these are going to catch on. I definitely could but not. now they seem totally normal. So. Yeah, I could not remember them for the life of me uh, when I first... Because <laughs> I started playing again uh, more seriously after cons came out. Right. And people would talk about it as if I was supposed to know. I was like, what the fuck is Abzan? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I have to like look it up. Eventually, I add a cheat sheet. Maybe I'll put in the show notes, there'll be a cheat sheet for the all the different names and stuff. Um, because uh, I had to Google one and it was really helpful. Uh, so if you're new and you need to, to figure that out, uh, that can be uh, there for you. All right. Uh, keep moving on. I, I do like these color names. I think it is fun to think about the different ones. And totally. four color names don't really have anything set in stone. Yeah, you've written some stuff down here. Never heard of any of this. Perfect. All right, so I'm going <laughs> to ramble it off real quick. This is mainly a commander thing. Um, okay. Because that as far as, like, 60-card uh, formats, for the most part, people just say four-color something, and you can kind of figure it out. Um, so you put, you put it in brackets here. Maybe I'll say it after, but, like, you have something to describe Glint Eye 
or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's what I would just call it myself. Got it. Okay. Brackets. Yeah. So what Jeff is referring to is that um, because obviously the color pie has five colors, uh, if you have a four color deck, one of them is missing. So it's faster to say uh, no white instead of blue, red, green, uh, black. So uh, there, there are two different ways people talk about this. Um, but for the most part, it really, uh, this is a commander thing. And uh, not a lot of people use these, but I just think it's interesting. So there's a cycle. The first four color cards came from Guild Pack in the first Ravnica, City of Guilds. Uh, so um, they were the Nephilim. They were non-legendary creatures, but they were four colors, and they're all they're different. They're so laughably bad. And they're so, <laughs> they're so weird and don't really make a lot of sense, and they look strange, and I don't know why they're in the set. It doesn't really make a lot of sense, but their names were Glintai, which is the no-white one, uh, Dune Brood, which is no blue, Ink Treader, which is no black, Witch Maw, which is no red, and Your Teller, which is no green. Um, and there are a lot of on you go to EDH rec or something like that. That's what they'll call them when you go to di- the different color commanders. Because these have become staples because they just happen to be legendary creatures of that exact. They are they are spell. not legendary creatures actually. They are oh. they are non legendary creatures which people wish that they were legendary but they're not. Um, now I don't understand why they just use them because of the amount of people who wish that they could be commanders but can't, and uh, there aren't. There are a layer further than I was expecting. Exactly. There aren't, like, a, you know, if you want to play four-color commander decks, you have to use partner commanders, essentially. Because mm-hmm. uh, there aren't really ways... Or play Omnath. To, yeah, you can play Omnath, but there aren't a ton of... You can play five-color pretty easily, but four-color, you just... You, you, there aren't a lot of options. Um, there were some commander decks that came out, uh, and apparently WotC was trying to make the different pairs sound like this so no white would be chaos no blue would be aggression no black would be attrition no red would be growth and no green would be artifice uh those never stuck i've never heard anyone say that ever but apparently that was in the works at one point trying to make this a thing doesn't make any sense they don't sound like names they just sound like adjectives so what i just thought of is i was actually playing quite a bit of standard um this is when like Cons was still there, and uh, I remember Magic Origins had come out. But basically, there were the fetchable duels from Battle for Zendikar, and then also the fetch lands from Cons of Tarkir. Mm-hmm. And so it was super easy to play colors. And it was in such a weird spot where the way the duel lands worked together, like the f- which fetches you had access to and which, because you had the... Um, uh, you had opposites, right? So you had, uh, or sorry, you had all ally. And so if you wanted to play three colors, it, it was often easier to play four colors. Gotcha. Because, yeah, your, your fetchable duels your... were all allies, mm-hmm. so you might as well. Um, and so all these names kind of came out for these four-color pairs. But basically it was like if you were adding black to a trio, you'd say dark whatever. So right. if I was, I would be like dark chess guy. Mm-hmm. is no green, you know? Right. Or, like, uh, if you were adding blue, you'd call it wet. Mm-hmm. So people would say, like, wet junk. Simil- similar to how I wanted to say moist gruel. I like moist. Moist <laughs> gruel, yeah. We, it should have said moist junk, but, yeah. <laughs> moist People junk. were literally saying stuff like this. Yeah. Be like, yeah. No green would be, I totally remember Dark Jeskai being one of the better decks in the format. That's so. pretty cool. 
I like, I mean, that, that's kind of a fun uh, take. You could have like dark and light, and then what would it be if you're adding red to something? Like hot? Hot, yeah. Hot Asper. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> and so you, there's always multiple ways to describe the same four-color pair, mm -hmm. and you'd pick your favorite. Ooh, I kind of like that. We should bring that back. That's, that's cool. Um, yeah. I'm that because like a lot of these, obviously like the four color ones, I, if someone walked up to me and said, Oh, ink treader <laughs> deck or whatever, I still would have no idea what they're talking about. Right. Yeah. Because that's, it, or, or like altruism aggro. Yeah. Like what the fuck? I don't know what you're talking about. Um, so anyway, those seem to be a failure and we will be, we're waiting for different ones, but, um, for now you get to kind of make up whatever you want, which is great. Yeah, and I don't know what, when, when you add green to something, I don't know what the name was for that, but. What, like, I don't know, tree, wee, verdant, vert, uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, five colors, easy, you know? You say five color, it's great. <laughs> five color, <laughs> It yeah. works pretty well. Uh, you just say yes. What colors yes. are you playing? Yes. yes. All of them. <laughs> I'm playing that. Um, but, you know, people will say Wooberg, they'll say Rainbow. Um, I've heard Domain, which I don't like very much because that's just a mechanic that talks about that. It would be similar to be calling like Sunburst or something. I don't want, I don't want to call my deck Sunburst if I'm not playing Sunburst cards. Um, well, domain like domain was specific to you wanted to play all the basic land the types because that's what that cares about. Deck did. And Whereas Sunburst to me makes me think you're playing like an artifact deck, and so you're just playing all the five colors to get your Sunburst value on your Sunburst. Yeah, artifact. that is true. But uh, I don't know. Domain seems okay. I'm not really into it. Um, Rainbow is more fun, or literally just five color, but still works perfectly fine because it's just so simple. I'm never going to call some, or I don't even know. It, it just works well. I like it. Yeah, those are, uh, those are the colors of the color pie. Wow. You know what? I've been playing Magic for so long, and I never, ever get tired about talking about colors. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a great <laughs> just part like of the Mark game. Just like Mark Rosewater, man. Yeah, it's just, it's so fun. Um, yeah. And how they bend or break or different things. It's great. Uh, I love it. It's obviously one of the most exciting and, or attractive parts about Magic. So um, Totally. And it's, it's had the most effect on like other games, I think, where just every game has factions now when it comes out. That's just a thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, because it's cool. What can you play? What can't you play? Making those decisions. How do I mix them together? Awesome. Right. Uh, but that kind of comes into player types. What kind of player are you? Yeah, so these are things I didn't know what they really meant when I, like I'd hear people say stuff like this, like, oh, I'm a Timmy. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't know what that means. Yeah. And there was just wasn't a good way to learn that. There... For some reason, I always knew what a spike was, just because the way it was used, it became mm -hmm. clear from context, like, what oh, it... this guy only cares about winning. Yeah. But... Uh, so basically... Uh, Originally, there are three player types, is what they called it. Uh, this was an official thing from WotC. It was basically them figuring out that the player base was more than just Magic player. There were different kinds of Magic players, and they had to make cards for different players. It was almost them like giving, giving themselves a way to reference their own like data. You know, they were collecting mm -hmm. data about why people played Magic, and then they put it into groups. And when they needed to communicate that with the groups themselves, they they used these words. Yes, and they've been using these for a long time, um, and you can find these player cards, the first three, uh, in the unsets. Uh, so the first unset had Timmy, and then the second one had Johnny, and the last one, most recent one, had Spike. 
Uh, so Timmy, which they have since updated these, so you could be a Timmy or a Tammy, but now it could, you know, whatever. It it, it does sound like you, it has genders, but it's really non... They're just trying to include as many people as possible. But anyway, um, so you'd be a Timmy or Tammy who is basically playing for the experience of playing. And that's usually like... Uh, usually kind of comes down to like a newer player, someone who likes big, splashy plays, big creatures, loves green, wants the giant dinosaur that tramples, uh, where they can attack and like there's nothing their opponent can do about it, blowing someone yeah, if, out if, for a million damage, basically. If one of your favorite cards is like Gigantosaur, mm -hmm. you, you may be a, a Tammy or a Timmy. Yeah, you, like. you might be. Uh. Uh, so then the next one was Johnny or Jenny. Uh, and these are the people that are playing the game because they just love the mental challenge, right? Magic, magic's a very complicated game. They tend to play these really complicated decks that require a lot of precisions to get right. Precision to get right. So, like a combo player, you know, looking at this very, you know, convoluted puzzle, and the joy they get out of the game is solving that puzzle. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, uh, someone that would be a Johnny would be like um, Matt Nass, right? Mm -hmm. Huge combo player, loves uh, goldfishing around, basically playing with themselves and, uh, and finding all the pieces that work to create the machine that makes them win the game. I always wondered if this was named after like Johnny Magic himself, widely regarded the best Magic player of all time. Maybe. But I don't know if, I don't know if he was really known for playing only, like he plays Storm super well and stuff, but mm -hmm. I think he just plays everything well. Yeah. So. I don't know. It, it, it could have been. Um, I'm not quite sure where it, John Finkel is, is who I'm talking. Yeah, John Finkel. Like, yeah, um, yeah. I'm not. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, it, that could easily be why, but but who knows? Um, we'll have to ask wizards, I guess. Um, but the uh, the third one of the original, there are more than this, but um, is a spike. So uh, Jeff was talking about this earlier. This is a player that is playing for the trophy. Uh, this is a tournament grinder, someone that uh, wants to play the best deck and have all the best cards. They're very aggressive and competitive, and they're playing to win. Um, right. So uh, this has been used a lot as like a negative um, in a lot of, just a lot of settings. I... For myself, have definitely identified as a non-spike a lot of the time, and was very uh, thought of myself as you know, oh, I'm not really that competitive. I just like playing for fun or whatever. Um, but you know, the more and the more you say that, the more you kind of feel uh, animosity to someone who would be like that. Sure. Um, but then the more I've gotten into like playing more competitive, competitively. Uh, it's been like, no, this is great. This is also super fun. It's just a different type of fun. And I'm just totally. using cards that are stronger. And I'm evaluating things differently than I used to. And mm -hmm. the, the purpose of the game is just changed for me. But, like, that's not a bad thing. Yeah, and I think that's part of why these player types are useful to have around. Mm -hmm. It's like some of that animosity comes just from when two players who are looking for totally different things out of the game play each other. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if I'm trying to build my super jank combo deck, or, like, if I'm just building a brand new deck, you know, on the ladder, and I jump in, and I get paired against mono red, like, I'm kind of like, ugh, you know, because not because I'm upset with this player for playing mono red or whatever. It's, it's nothing like that. It's just I won't learn much about my deck mm -hmm. <laughs> because I'm... Uh, 
this game is going to last like four or five turns and I won't learn if my interactions that I thought were cool are actually good or like maybe I'll win, maybe I'll lose. I don't know, but I guess I'll learn if my deck can handle mono red. That's about all I'll learn. So I totally get that feeling uh, of, oh, I'm trying to do something cool and this person's just, you know, smashing me. Quote unquote, not doing the cool thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, but like, I, you know, you can't hold it against that player. Like, we're playing on a ladder in this case, and that player is trying to exactly. rank up the ladder just like I am. So it's, they've just brought a different weapon to the table here. Yeah, totally. Um, and also, like, hey, like, I don't know if it comes down to uh, evaluating cards, and you're like, oh, well, this card's trash. Like, this card sucks. And then a player who plays a different way, or is like, that's my favorite card. Like, why would you say that that is trash? Is yeah, it? I get that a lot with Dubious Challenge, you know. Well, that card actually is trash, though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Um, and it actually is my favorite card. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, so for a long time, those were the three original ones, the Timmy, Tammy, Johnny, Jenny, and Spike. Um, However, recently, they've kind of added some more. I don't know if this has been really official, but it's kind of been coming through the works, uh, probably through some of the surveys that they've been doing or uh, different things. But uh, this is... a a new distinction that I was kind of new to actually since researching for this episode. Um, and it seems to like kind of pinpoint a lot more people than I originally had thought. Yeah. We're talking about Mel and Melvin. So these are the people that are playing for all of the cool different interactions that can happen in magic. Right. So these are the people building these, these decks. They're not necessarily all in combo decks. You know, it's not, it's not these hyper, convoluted looping combos that the Johnny combos that the Johnny or Jennies are into. It's more just like these really synergistic decks where, you know, things react to the other things you're doing and you're trying to show off these interesting mechanics or often it's like stuff that other people might've missed and you're like, Hey, this is actually pretty good. You know, it might not be adventures tier one, obviously good stuff, but like, you know, mutates pretty good. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so these people have been given a name Mel Melvin. I think a lot of them would used to just be scooped under the Johnny Jenny uh, like framework. Yeah. Of, oh, they just play like interaction or like combo decks that are complicated. But uh, like I actually identify with this a lot more than with Johnny mm-hmm. Jenny. Yeah, I agree. Personally, I agree. I, I well, it, this one hundred percent looks like dubious challenge to me, right? This yeah, is like this. This is me. Yeah, it's uh, like, hey, I want to build this deck because it uh, has a cool card and it could do some powerful stuff, but it's not maybe the fastest way to kill you, or it's not the um, the most complete combo, I guess. But uh, um, and it's also maybe not the biggest splashy thing. But um, yeah, I think I'm really happy that they added this because a lot of the times. I felt kind of in like, oh, I'm a mixture between a Timmy and a Johnny, but more Timmy maybe. And then right. uh, sometimes if I draft, I feel like a spike. But um, but yeah, I think the Mel Mel and Melvin, that's that's good. I like that. I'm definitely like a Melvin spike. You know, I play to win and I like to play in competitive events, but I like to bring these kind of off-the-wall decks are uh, doing these fun like interaction-based things. Like, I think the most fun I'll have is joining a competitive event and doing reasonably well with a deck that is, you know, described as a Melvin deck. Yeah, exactly. That would be, like, the most fun I could have in Magic. Exactly, exactly. Um, And then the last player type um, 
is Avorthos. So this isn't even like a person's name necessarily. It's just Avorthos player, I guess. Um, yeah. And this is someone who's playing for the story. So they love... Yeah, our fans will know this well. Yes. Uh, we do Drunken Vorthos episodes. Uh, go check them out. They are lots of fun, and it, you get to just kind of forget about the cards and the mechanics for a while and just think about the story, which is really great. Um, but this is the player who, you know, likes looking at the art on the cards and reading the story and all the flavor texts. They're the person who figures out that there are there's a book written in the flavor text of all some of the creatures or whatever, right? Um, which is really cool, like putting those together and making maybe like gluing them up on a on a board or framing it on your wall of like the words of the the story. Um, if you know uh, Ristic Studies on YouTube, Sam the Magic Man Sam Sam, uh, he is a Vorthos player through and through. His uh, videos are pretty awesome, and they're all about Vorthos things and talking about like. Why, when we had um, guilds of Ravnica and Ravnica allegiances, that the world, we were in the fall. Like, all the cards depict fall on Ravnica right before the war, which is kind of like, has this, um, I don't know. That's pretty cool. Game of Thrones winter is coming kind of thing. I remember thing. when you pointed that out to me. And I was like, yeah. I was looking at it ever since you told me that. I was like, it's true. Yeah. As opposed to, like, uh, the other parts of the city that we had seen before, or kind of like a rainy whatever. But this was like... Mm-hmm. You know, the leaves are changing, things are different, we have a night of autumn. Those kinds of things are what really satisfy that player. And I do think that um, there, are, there are a lot of Vorthos parts of me that I really enjoy knowing those kinds of things and seeing the callbacks and, oh, I like that the art for this card depicts this character that does this or whatever. Um, totally. Like, I think most people have some amount of this in them because, you know, there's a reason Watsi just doesn't print a little thing that has a little, like, like, it's a little code that tells you what the card does kind of thing. Yeah. Like most people wouldn't enjoy that if it's just... And when you break it down, the game is just numbers and things interacting. And exactly. You don't need art and flavor text and, you know, like, even the mana symbols don't have to have specific things. Like, you, you could name them 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, you know, and stuff. like. Um, but they do it this way because people get a lot more enjoyment out of that. Yeah, you know, like I'm sure there are some people that are like, I wish this was just like a spreadsheet. I'm only in it for the solution of the puzzle that involves. Yeah, uh, it, I think the Vorthos is something that I think about every once in a while. Whenever I'm in a rut of like losing a lot, um, sometimes you go through dry spells where you're just like kind of down on yourself. You've been trying some different things and you're just having a hard time, and you're just like, oh, I'm so frustrated with this game. Why is it like this? I'm really mad. Like I can't. Just nothing's going my way. Um, and those are the times that I always try to step back and be like, look at these cards. Don't you like, I know cat ovens really annoying, but I love that the cat (laughs) goes in the oven or all those kinds of things are fun or, um, you know, starting to just kind of gross. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Um, but even like, it's hard. The cat comes because it's attracted by the scent of a pie made of itself. Yeah. But then it's happening in this car. Yeah, exactly. Um, but also it is funny because. Since we play on Arena, we don't get to read flavor text very often, right? It just doesn't come up. Um, you do totally, have to yeah. specifically tr- try to be like, oh, I'm going to read the flavor text of this card because you have to hover over it and go to the flavor text portion or whatever. Um, but I do think, you know, sometimes step back and read the flavor text of your favorite card. Some of the flavor text is great. Sometimes they'll just read it and they're like, oh, man, I can't believe I never knew this was the flavor text. That's yeah. awesome. This is one of these things that I... Um, 
if you have a partner or someone in your life that doesn't really play magic but wants to be kind of share in it with you a little bit, sometimes it's fun to have them open a pack of cards and just read the flavor text to you. And you have to kind of guess what the card is. <laughs> That's always super fun because you're like, I have no idea. That's like a fun thing I used to do in Commander when I'd play. I would just like, you know, you ask, hey, do you, can you guess what this card is in my... I'll tell you what all the cards in my hand. And then you read the flavor text and they have no idea what's in your hand. All right, hand. so... It, so it's a new game, all right? You have to get eight of us together who have partners that don't know magic very well. Mm -hmm. And the pack gets opened, and they read us the flavor text, and we have to pick the flavor text from the pack and pass. Oh, so you because so we're drafting. I, oh, yeah. I don't open packs without drafting them. No, so okay. I had to take your idea gotcha. and expand it to my world. And so this is a flavor text spouse. Okay, so all the uh, all the players who yeah, so all the magic players are sitting at the table, and their spouses are standing behind we them. We have a headphone in. Oh, and they're hear each other. Oh, other's. okay, okay, okay. They're okay. reading the flavor text to us. We have to choose which flavor text we're picking. <laughs> that would take so long, but it would be pretty funny. Um, <laughs> I love that. That's a that sounds fun. That sounds really fun. <laughs> Oh, what a fun new draft type. <laughs> it's called a Vorthos draft. Vorthos draft. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like none of your cards do anything. <laughs> but they would have a cohesive story. Yes, they would. <laughs> they would. Um, if you're really interested in some of these uh, flavor text things, uh, go check out Theros because uh, there are um, passages from books on Theros cards. Um, pretty cool. Uh, you, if you can figure out how to put them together. Uh, it's quite a fun little... Makes sense for that to be a, you know, heavy Vorthos Yeah, set it's like, it's, it's a passage from their Iliad. I can't remember what it's called, but like their, mm -hmm. uh, their version. Um, but yeah, anyway, so those are the five player types uh, that we wanted to talk about, or at least, you know, those are the ones that we have. Uh, but I wanted to make sure, Jeff, do you have any last thoughts before we go to our beer break? I do... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I just wanted to say, I'm, I think I said Melvin Spike. If you had to pick two, which are your two? Ooh, that is hard. Because um, like we were kind of alluding to, nobody falls, or very few people fall exactly into just one of these categories. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you'll even see this in the pros, right? Like you even mentioned Matt Nass as a Johnny, but he's also a Spike because he's, you know, one of the best players in the world. Yeah. Of, uh, yeah. Competes at the highest level. So he's a Johnny Spike. Um. I'm actually getting closer to wanting to like have Spike as a label. That does seem quite nice. Um, though it is hard because, I mean, I, I love doing that, but for the most part, I will end up playing some big splashy decks. So I do think I'm much closer to like a Timmy and a Vorthos player. Um, okay. Where I've been, yeah, that's fair. I've been really enjoying, like if I'm going to do Spike things, I'll go get a list from somebody and go full. Like I'm just not even going to try to build my own thing. I'm not really Mel where I want to sit and tinker with stuff. I've been realizing I really love just taking somebody else's deck, playing it, playing it is super fun. And most of the time, I hope that it, I mean, I'm playing auras a lot of the time. So I want a giant creature that you can't do anything. I, I was going to say, should we add like a, a Bogle? <laughs> yeah. Like you want to be a, a the bogle? unique person that likes Bogle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just love the, you know, the vigilant lifelink giant creature that's like, you can attack me. I can either block or not, and I'm still going to gain life when I come back at you. It doesn't matter. You're dead. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I do like that. So um, that's a big Timmy part of me, I'm sure. 
but anyway, my beer has been empty for a very long time, and I'm ready to try the one I'm that you brought. Just finishing mine. I timed it perfectly. Oh, that's a good job. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right, Jeff, your, the beer you brought has a cork in it, so it takes some time to get yeah. the top off. Are you ready for this? Oh, I'm ready. Oh, I went too early. Oh, okay. Oh, that was the saddest little... <laughs> Can you just add in, like, you know, <laughs> cook, like a really nice cork sound yeah, over top like, of the audio? Poof. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, here we go. Okay. I see what you're talking about with this, like, color. It's like, yeah, the color is not what I expected. Yeah, it's much more brown. Mm-hmm. Ooh, it smells good. Oh, shit. But on my webcam, it looks kind of red, so you probably didn't believe me at first. <laughs> okay. Oh, fuck. let's not give anything away. Oh, I already did. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so <sighs> magic slaying, <laughs> magic slaying, <laughs> whatever. Dude, um, I'm the one that had the ten percent beer. I just took a sip, and I have now <laughs> felt the ten percent. So, um, I see. All right, here we go. So, um, the biggest slang terms, I think. And magic, or I guess vernacular, whatever we want to call it, um, mm-hmm. are uh, describing cards. So a lot of times there will be like, uh, I don't know, people that do set reviews or different things where they're looking at a new card. They'll be like, oh, it's this card, but this or whatever. Or, sure. or it's like a blank with a blank or whatever. Oh, it's like this on that or whatever. Um, I don't want to give anything away, so obviously all those examples were horrible because it didn't say anything. Um, but we just kind of want to go through, like, hey, this is where this came from. This is why it's called this. This is what it does. This is what it means. Um, totally. And one of the confusing things is that it's almost always named after the first or, like, the first, the most prominent first example of something like this. Yeah. And so it's not always intuitive in the sense that, you know, the word they use just means what you what it means it's often like oh you have it's a reference back to this card so if you never played with that card if you're a new player you might say hey what what is uh what does that mean yeah but then once you know a bunch of cards it gets a lot easier because you can just name cards and people know what you're talking about so um yeah but the first thing is something that isn't on a card i don't think it's on any card probably um, I guess technically it doesn't have anything on its card, so that's the <laughs> that's the thing about it. Um, well, it could be in flavor text. Yeah. Uh, ooh, flavor text. Hmm. I, I see what you did there. Maybe. Okay. So anyway, this is a vanilla card. So it's usually usually it's always talking about a creature. A vanilla creature means a creature that has no rule text. It's just plain. Totally. Though I do think it's funny because vanilla isn't necess- It's not plain. Because no. yogurt is. Vanilla is like the fancy version of yogurt, right? Yeah, but maybe we're going ice cream, where I guess vanilla is kind of yeah. like the base. And that's kind of the idea, like, oh, vanilla is like the regular flavor of ice cream, so that's why I considered the regular. Um, the more I think about it, the, the deeper of a hole I go into is like, is vanilla really that regular, though? Because, yeah. anyway. But yes, they're called uh, vanilla creatures, and then... Um, also, every once in a while, you hear French vanilla, which is a creature that has uh, a keyword that you see all the time, like flying or something. Yeah, so it's like a, a creature that has no abilities other than a common keyword. Yeah, haste or first strike or something. 
Um, so there's some some good examples here, and this gets us deeper into vernacular. So the I think the most popular one, if you hear the term bear, um, that means a two-two for two, which is an example of a vanilla creature. Mm -hmm. So a bear is like a two-two for two, uh, and the, it's referring to grizzly bears, which is just a two-mana two-two. That was vanilla, no abilities. Yep. Now, we'll, as we'll get into a bit later, like even stuff with abilities, you'll often say like, oh, it's a bear that does this mm -hmm. or whatever. So you're described, the bear part describes the base power and toughness to cost. Yes. Um, and there are a few things like that. So an example is a gray ogre. Um, well, this is named after the card gray ogre and it means a two, two for three. So gray ogres are worse than bears. <laughs> mm -hmm. Because they have the same power toughness, no extra abilities, and cost an extra mana. And then, uh, moving up from there, we have a Hill Giant, which is a card I played with all the time. I, got, I like, loved uh, Hill Giant when I was a kid. Yeah. I don't know why, but I just loved Hill Giant. So uh, that's a 3-3 three, three for 4. Mm -hmm. And then the best example I can think of of a French vanilla creature that has kind of entered vernacular is Wind Drake. Yes. So that is a 2-2 two, two flying for three. You'll call a wind drake because that's just kind of the card that does that. Uh, so a good example would be like um, when people saw Frost Trickster in Strixhaven, mm -hmm. they're like, that's a wind drake. That taps down. Taps like down a creature. creature. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I guess they were kind of saying it's a wind drake crossed with a frost, frost lynx, which so. Right. And I remember when there was one a couple of sets ago. And I remember just people saying, oh, so I guess Windrake is just dead, huh? Because it was a Windrake with some other random keyword added to it, and it was a common. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, it's like, so it's like, oh, just... yeah. So we don't really see Windrake that much anymore because there's like better versions that are just like basically. But it, it was still in some pretty recent core sets. Yeah. And uh, was a totally playable card. I guess Snapping Drake's the other one I can think of that's a 3-2 for 4. With yeah. Nothing. Yeah, if you hear any of those, it's usually a reference. So that's that's what it means. Yeah, and the other, I think that's the other thing I wanted to say about bear is like, it can get a bit, you know, get a bit sneaky on you because, uh, for example, when Luminarch Aspirant came out, people would be like, "That's a bear with upside." So Luminarch Aspirant is a one-one for two, and at the start of combat, you get to put a plus one plus one counter on a creature you control. So the idea is, like, it can be a grizzly bear if you want it to be, in the sense that it could be a 2-2 two, two for 2, but you have the option to put it somewhere else. So people, that's why if you hear, oh, Luminarch Aspirant's a bear with upside, what they mean is, like, it's better than just a 2-2 two, two for 2, because you get the option of what gets buffed. Yeah. Like, that's a that's its fail case, is a 2-2 two, two for 2. It's its worst-case scenario. Yeah, exactly. Um Another card that gets the bear treatment, I guess, is a hate bear. So hate is any card that basically hates on a specific type of strategy. This is something like Hushbringer or uh, anything that a uh, lot of white cards have hate effects. Uh, mm -hmm. Strict Proctor is a similar to like a, a hate card. Eh, that's more like a taxing thing, but anything that just like turns stuff off. So it's like, hey, I when consider creatures... taxing cards as hate. Okay, yeah. Um, so like, oh, they tax like specific things. Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, now enters the battlefield effects don't count or something. Or um, a Dranath Magistrate. Hey, you can't play cards that aren't in your hand. Stuff like that. That's a hate bear is what they're considered. Um, or Thalia, Guardian of Thraven. Yes. 
uh, kind of a classic example, which is it's taxing, but it hates on instants and sorceries. Exactly. Or it hates on non-creature spells. Mm -hmm. um, the one thing with that is that people will call a hate bear or something. This is something that people just do in general. They'll call something a bear, even though it's technically not a bear. Um, right. It, it's not a 2-2. Two -two. It's, it's not a 2-2. Two -two. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, Draneth Magistrate is a 1-3 for 2 but it has a hate thing, so people just say, Probably oh. Probably is a 2-1 first strike. Yeah, it's like, okay, well, they, and they still call them hate bears. So hate bears can be, they just call it a bear because most of the time they're two mana. It's just like one of those things. And, it, and it's even kind of grown to just encompass a strategy. Mm -hmm. So like, even the Celestia Company deck that was popular in, in Historic for a while, I consider that a hate bear strategy because it plays those, the idea is I'm going to play creatures that will attack and block. They're not the most aggressive. I'm not going to kill you as quickly as possible, but they're going to slow you down in some other way. Mm -hmm. That So even though a lot of those quote-unquote hate bears actually cost three mana, like Redan, God of the Worthy, or, mm -hmm. or Paolo's card, or the, Archon, the idea yeah. is I'm slowing you down mm -hmm. with by hating on the things that your deck does while attacking you. Yeah. So that's when it gets a little bit... Uh, a little bit different, you know. You know, the power and toughness is change around. Um, though, if you call something specifically a bear, um, sometimes people get will get uh, get like, specific. Yeah, yeah, get specific. Like, oh, you could have a zombie bear, basically. That's just like a two mana two two zombie. And you're like, yeah, that's a bear. But if you yeah. have a zombie that's a two one, people will be like, well, that's not a bear. Don't say it's a bear. You know, or, or if it's like a two mana three four. Uh, first strike i wouldn't be like oh it's a bear that has plus one plus two in first strike. yeah it's like <laughs> no bear it's just don't it. just it's not a bear it's just, also, don't that card's it. awesome we yeah that it. sounds like an amazing card it's like holy <laughs> shit what the fuck uh what's the downside like every that's why they didn't hire me at lots of <laughs> card like every upkeep you have to like sacrifice a land or something um well what? well here's the downside it costs black green <laughs> so you won't get, you won't top eight <laughs> that's great um all right so this is a card this is a thing <laughs> we're gonna start in like types of cards now yeah um and this is one that me and jeff have, have fought over once which is pretty fun <laughs> uh but for the most part jeff's right i'm just gonna for the technically i'm right but really when you talk about <laughs> it uh uh jeff's right so uh this is a tutor um yeah so a tutor is basically uh, a card that lets you search your library for a card. Uh, this comes from Demonic Tutor, which is uh, two mana to go search your library for any card and put it in your hand. And that's basically what a tutor is. Basically, every card in your deck costs two more, and you just get it and play it. That's, that's kind of what it feels like. Um, yeah. I feel like there's no like type of magic you could be into where you won't have encountered the term tutor right like yeah. it'll come up it will come up um so this can be used in a different a lot of different ways so jeff would you like to explain what tutor means to you okay so for me and most tutor, people like if i say it's a tutor it's a card that goes and gets something out of my library but it has to give me some sort of selection to, to be a tutor or specificity like for example the if I play something that says, hey, go and get a forest out of your deck and put it into your hand, I don't think of that as a tutor. Because, um, sure, it lets me search my library for a specific card and get it, but I have no option about what the card is. So to me, a tutor is something that gives you some amount of option. But the weird thing 
is that people will say this card tutors this card out of your deck. So if I use it as a verb, then I'm understanding that tutor as a verb just means go get something specific out of your deck. Yeah, so basically you're saying that a tutor is a card that lets you get uh, basically any card out of your deck. Or the type is like you can get a creature or you can get a instant or something. Right, like I don't know exactly where I would draw the line. You know, yeah. like I don't think I would allow... Like, I don't think of Evolving Wilds as a tutor, you know? Yeah. But, uh... So, I think since we were talking about this, um... Because uh, for the most part, I, I think that you could you could make a case saying that any card that lets you go get a card from your deck, search your library for a card, and put it into your hands, would be considered a tutor. However, if it's on a land or something, it does feel more like a fetch. So you're fetching up something and you're using the okay. verb like fetching yeah. right so evolving wilds fetches up this thing if fetches you have another onboard uh card that goes and get another card that's the same name as it or something you fetch up that card but uh but anyway so for the most part it means go get a card from your deck or from outside the game i guess or no no that's sure. not no yeah. that's that's a wish anyway sorry <laughs> but you could say that a wish tutors for a card from your sideboard that's true. Okay, you could say that, right? Um, That's what's confusing. It's like if somebody said, uh, what is, if I said, what does that card do? And they'd say it tutors a basic land. I would know what the card does. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like... So, um, so it is confusing. So if you're talking about a card as a tutor, most of the time people are expecting you to mean like, oh, a tutor is something that gets whatever you want. However, if you say, oh, it tutors something in a verb, it most people will just completely be like, yeah, that's fine. That makes sense. Right, um, because there's no ambiguity. You're telling them what it tutors, exactly. what it goes to search up. Yeah. So. Anyway, um, that's kind of a long-winded <laughs> way around tutors. This is funny because we've had this like argument before over yeah. Discord. We were like, no, man, that's not a tutor. <laughs> yeah, it was what pretty are you funny. talking about? <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, rampant growth is a tutor. It tutors <laughs> up a land. No way. <laughs> you have five choices of what basic land you want. <laughs> I'll concede that rampant growth growth is ramp but not that it's a tutor yeah anyway um <laughs> jeff do you want to let's just keep going uh talking about some other types of cards that that name things cool so um this one is kind of cool because until i thought about it or like looked into it i guess um i don't know how much i distinguished between flicker and blink but they are kind of both used and so i guess both of them exile a creature and return it. Mm -hmm. But Flicker will exile it and return it right away. Whereas a Blink is exile it and return it at the end of the turn. Uh, so an example of a Flicker would be like Ephemerate, which is in Historic. Yeah. Which it goes away, it comes right back. And Blink is like Yorion, where it enters right. Blinks all your stuff. Now, what threw me off about this, and I think is what confused my usage of these terms, is there's a card called Flicker Wisp that I freaking love. And Flicker Wisp blinks stuff when it ETBs. <laughs> um, but it's, it was really important to the deck because I would play Flicker Wisp, their thing would come back on end step, and then I would flash in an angel on my end step or on their end step to blink my Flicker Wisp. Sorry, to flicker my flicker wisp so that I could blink something through their turn. So you could use this combo to like 
blink a land through their turn mm-hmm. because it would come back on their end step because I played it on my end step. Yes. Because it's coming back on the next end step and because you're doing it in the end step, they won't get it until the next Exactly. Yeah. It was the only way my deck, my random white guy's deck could beat Tron. is <laughs> to flicker <laughs> oh. away a Tron or to blink away a Tron <laughs> land long enough that they couldn't to blink it with Flicker Wisp, which is not to flicker it. They yeah. should make Blink Wisp, which flickers stuff. Which flickers stuff. That'd be pretty <laughs> funny. Uh, but basically, these cards came... Um, there's a card in Urza's Destiny called Flicker, and that's what it did. It just mm-hmm. flickered a creature, and that's kind of where that comes from. Uh, and then Blink came uh, a bit later with Momentary Blink. Uh, which uh, blinks things. So that's kind of where those names came from. The reason I put this on this list, and it might not have come to your attention, is that um, usually that distinction becomes pretty important in commander games. Okay. Uh, whether you get to play something right away or you get it back immediately or you have to wait, that, that kind of stuff becomes pretty important, especially when you're doing it on a bunch of other people's uh, end steps and stuff. It can be kind of confusing. Yeah, it totally matters for this uh, dubious challenge green-white deck that I was talking mm-hmm. about uh, with Flicker Wisps. Uh, I just, like, because Flickerwisp blinked stuff, it got me confused. Like, I thought they were basically interchangeable, and the timing was just... uh, Arbitrary? Up to the card. Yeah, you're like, I don't know which one. So it's good to have this, like, dedicated terminology. Flickerwisp blinks. That's all I need to know. (laughs) Which is hilarious. I love that. I'll remember that forever. Um, Great card, Flickerwisp, though. (laughs) So this one is another one that... um, There are two that kind of go together um, that are used all the time. And uh, you'll see them often, and they're kind of tied to their own colors. Um, But basically, it's loot and rummage. Mm -hmm. So loot is an effect that lets you draw a card and discard a card, uh, which comes from Merfolk Looter from Exodus and is a blue ability. And then rummage is discard draw, which is from Rubbaging Goblin, and it's mainly red. Um, Right. But it makes it really easy to, when you're talking about a bunch of cards, if you say, oh, this card loots, you know what that means. It means draw discard as opposed to rummage, which is worse because uh, it, it'd be much better to draw before you discard. Now, this is one where, you know, Watsy helped us out because faithless looting double loots. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> it doesn't say faithless rummaging. <laughs> right. Which would be, I mean. Pretty bad. That would probably be cathartic reunion. There we go. Okay. So maybe, you know, a rummage is also a. Reunion? No, I feel because you always get you get uh, advantage. Yeah, you notice with the cards that rummage that are sorceries, you get an extra. You draw an extra card than you discard. Yeah, because it would be too bad otherwise. Exactly. Yeah, those like tormenting voice. Kind those of. those do feel a bit different. There are a lot of um, red creatures that will just tap and uh, and rummage for you, uh, similar to the, uh, the the blue looters. Yeah, and it's important to note that looting can only make your hand better ostensibly mm-hmm. i mean there's still bad decisions <laughs> that need to be taken into account for you know all intents and purposes looting can only make your hand better whereas rummaging that's not true so you should always loot given the opportunity unless there are considerations such as i have one card in my deck um you know like some or, reason not yeah. to mm-hmm. um, but if it's just about card quality in your hand you should always loot when given the option mm-hmm. and rummaging is that is not so. Because I think people do confuse that a, a bit because they'll hear the pros say, oh, I should always activate my Merfolk Looter, uh, you know, in this situation. 
and then they'll say, oh, well, the pro told me I always have to activate a card like this, so I'm activating Rummaging Goblin. And, uh, no, no, that's not the same thing. Not the same, uh, because it's really easy to discard a card that you might have needed and draw something that's useless. Exactly. When it's looting, if the card you draw is worse than what was already in your hand, you discard that one. Mm -hmm. With rummaging, you don't have that option. You do not. Um, so important to note. Okay. Uh, let's go with one that um, I think probably everyone knows, but let's just let's just go with it. It's bounce, and bounce means to return something that is currently on the battlefield to its owner's hand. Although I've even heard it like. You could say um, unsubstantiate bounces a spell. Like, to me, bounce means return something to its owner's hand. Totally. Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, this has been around since as long as... I, even when I was a kid, I used the word bounce for this. Bounce was used before... So bounce has just kind of been around. It's just like a nickname that just happened. It didn't really specifically come from a card. However, there was a card that was printed called Waterfront Bouncer. But it was made after the actual nickname had started. Right, so it's not named after that card. Yeah, um, which is great, because that's a creature that bounces stuff. Totally. But I think this one is just like, it makes enough sense that when someone says, oh, I bounced that, you, you know what they mean. Yeah, because it, it has like a gameplay feeling when you're, when you're playing in paper. Because it's like the card went down to the battlefield mm -hmm. and then came back up to you. It's almost like it bounced off the table back into Exactly. Because you could do it right, you know, they play it and then you bounce it immediately and it just feel like it just came back up to their hand. But like, whoa, I didn't even, that didn't even leave my hand. It just <laughs> came back totally. right, right back up. Yeah. So the visual is so perfect that I think you just know it. If I bounce that, it's like, oh, well, he returned it to his hand. Got it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, so let's just keep going. Um, I think this one is pretty important because uh, it took me a while to really get what it was, but a cantrip, um, mm -hmm. which is a spell that's usually one mana that does kind of a minimal effect that replaces itself. So it, it yeah. says, like, your creatures gain haste, draw a card, or something. Um, but what I like about the, the actual name is that it, it comes from Dungeons & Dragons, which comes from, like, Scottish something. Things. I can't remember what it, what it originally came from, some other thing. But anyway, the cantrip in Dungeons & Dragons, which is going to be important coming up in the new set, <laughs> is uh, it's basically a spell you can cast that doesn't take up one of your spell slots when you're playing. Um, so you get to do it all the time. It doesn't do very much, but you get to do it all, a lot, and that's exactly what it feels like in Magic. Yeah, so uh, this is a word that I just had to learn from mm -hmm. playing Magic. And I learned it means, okay, it replaces itself and, you know, exactly what you said, you know, cheap and replace itself. I'll, like, sometimes you'll just say it cantrips, so it can't be that bad, even if the spell was, like, five mana or whatever. Like, if it says draw a card on it, sometimes people will say it cantrips. But uh, usually it means, yeah, cheap spell, mm -hmm. minimal impact, draws you a card to replace itself. And then uh, when some of my friends got into D&D, which I've never played, they were using the word cantrip. And I was like, oh, that's probably a spell you could just use like over and over. And, mm -hmm. You know, because I knew what it meant in magic. So I, I went backwards on it. Hey. But that means it's just like a perfect description, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Like you don't really, it, it just transcends the games. And uh, Jeff, these next two seem to be uh, kind of together. So how about let's just do those together? Totally. So. 
Uh, here we got Anthem and Lord. So an Anthem is some sort of permanent that gives all of your creatures a stat bonus. Let's say plus one, plus one. Or maybe it gives all of your goblins plus one, plus one, or something like that. And a Lord is a creature that does that. So uh, Lords tend to only pump specific creature types, um, like, you know, Lord of Atlantis. Yeah? Mm-hmm. yeah. Hey. Gives all merfolk plus one, plus one, and Island Walk, I think. Yes. I haven't played that card in a while. Yeah, long. Island Walk. Um, but, like, you know, I would still consider uh, the Banalish Marshal mm-hmm. a Lord. Yep. Even though it just gives all your creatures plus one, plus one. Although some people would say it's an anthem on a on a stick or something. Oh, uh, like I guess but. maybe I would maybe go with that way. Most of the time, I think lords are are specific to creature types. Okay. And anthems are just everything on your board. Gotcha. Yeah. So, like, I think of a lord as just a creature that pumps everything. Mm-hmm. But usually, there is a deck building restraint around it. So. Yeah, or maybe like, it's like all your white creatures or something, or all your whatever. Uh, maybe not specifically a creature type, but yeah, a deck building restriction. Um, what I liked about uh, Lord Anthem is fun. Uh, it's from Glorious Anthem, which just uh, which is you know you've played with it, pumps your whole team. Um, but Lord, I thought was cool because originally I always thought it was Lord of Atlantis. Just like that's the what is the first Merfolk Lord? It's a Lord. It does that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But the same cards also came out, which is Zombie Master and Goblin King. Now, Goblin King is just like Lord of Atlantis, where it gives plus one, plus one to each goblin mountain walk. Uh, Zombie Master is a little bit different. They get, like, uh, Swamp Walk and, like, uh, Regenerate or something um, for zombies. Yes, they get Regenerate. Yeah, but um, all three of those cards are originally Lords, and they themselves, so their creature type is Lord. and They were Summon Lords. They were Summon Lords, and they they weren't um, part of their tribe, Right. So Lord yeah, of Atlantis were just a lord. was yeah. not a merfolk. So on the card, it just said merfolk, you control, get plus one, plus one or something. Mm-hmm. So I just thought that was pretty interesting. They're like, oh, these three cards are lord creature types. And that just became, oh, a lord is something that cares about creature types. Right. Lord, lord, so this lord. was kind of Watsy making this up. Right? Yeah. So they basically made this up in this instance. Or Richard um, Garfield, probably. Yeah. Richard Garfield. Because <laughs> this was all mm-hmm. alpha. Mm-hmm. Um but they've been errated, I believe, to yes. uh, merfolk, and, like, Lord of Atlantis is a merfolk, and it gives other merfolk plus one, plus one. And, and I don't know, yeah, exactly. So that's how they template things now, where it says uh, it gets something, and then it gives other stuff, whatever, so that it becomes less confusing when they're on the battlefield um, being, like... Right, I just imagine, like, because I've gotten my ass kicked from, like, triple Lord of Atlantis... Mm-hmm. And that'd be pretty bad by the old rules. So, yeah, that's just a bunch of tutus. It's just a bunch of bears. Hey, perfect, bunch of bears. All right. So the next one we want to talk about is fire breathing. So this one's kind of cool because um, it's not like it's not named after a card. A card is named after it. Yeah, <laughs> which is a cool thing that has happened a couple of times in Magic's history. Like I think Vigilance got this yeah. treatment as well. Um, so fire breathing is an ability pay one red mana to give plus one plus oh until end of turn and this came on shiv and dragon which was you know one of the highlights of alpha the card everyone 
wanted to get because they didn't understand the game that yeah. well to realize that there were plenty of better cards. Yeah, it's like it's like the Charizard kind of. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's exactly like it, right? The big mm-hmm. red flying dragon. And obviously the flavor here is that the Shivan dragon is breathing fire. That's what gives it more power, but mm-hmm. not more toughness as it consumes red mana. So like that's a total home run. Oh my gosh. Flavor. That's a slam dunk home run right there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> In the old, uh, I mean, I thought we were doing like basketball, football stuff. But. Are we changing it? I just think we need to get shirts that say "slam slam dunk home run." I think that's a. Oh no no, it's Let's a home it. run slam dunk. Is that what it is? Because okay, you hit okay. the ball out of the park and someone catches it and slam dunks it. So oh, that's uh, awesome. So home run slam dunk. <laughs> home run slam dunk. There we go. Um, but yeah, like like we kind of alluded to, they then made an aura called fire breathing that was gives the creature fire breathing. R to give it plus one plus so, and it's a big dragon like breathing fire in the arc and stuff. Mm-hmm. So but they've since given this ability to plenty of creatures uh, that, by all accounts, don't seem like they breathe fire. So it may not be obvious what this. Uh, what but this there are a lot of like lizards or different red creatures that like you can pump them. Their pump isn't just one red for a plus one plus zero. It's usually like two or maybe two and a red or something. Um, but usually people consider that to be fire breathing or close to. Yeah, I've actually heard people advocating for that to be called smoke breathing. But smoke breathing. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which I kind of like. but I like that. I don't know if it's caught on. But yeah, just like the clearly worse fire breathing is yeah. called smoke breathing. I like smoke breathing. That's good. That's good. This next one um, I love. I, I think it's so fun, but I'd never use these cards ever. But I just think they're cool. Um, so these are rituals. Uh, so it's basically any spell that generates more mana than it costs to cast. Uh, so this is named after Dark Ritual, which costs one black mana to give you three black mana. Um, a lot of the time, this is kind of just storm degenerate Johnny stuff is usually what this is, uh, what you're doing. Um, just like, hey. The problem is these cards can be cool, mm-hmm. but they're always used for evil. You know? Yeah, except for the cool <laughs> ones aren't even that cool. I mean, sorry. The fair No, cool it's ones. more like I gristle brand you on turn one or something. Yeah, but like <laughs> Dark Ritual, Dark Ritual, Dark Ritual, Gristle Brand. Yeah. But like the uh what is it? We have a ritual uh that came in um Eldraine. The the one that gives like it's like four to play and then you get seven red mana and you can only play one more spell. Oh yeah, Iron Crag Feet. Yeah. That one sucks because like it's it's kind of cool because maybe you cheat out of something big, but like it's it's like oh man i have to play one big thing like i can't do so okay i get how they're trying to fix it but because they don't want you to chain rituals together which is the problem yeah exactly which is the reason they rituals seem cool to me so i'm like eh, totally i don't care but it's just one of those designs it's like there there is no you know it's like it's not hard to find the fine line between only going to be used for dumb stuff and like and like uh, bad mm-hmm. there just isn't that line no it's just like <laughs> it's either bad or it's going to be used for sinister purposes exactly but. um so and i'm i'm on the side of sinister purposes so yeah i don't know <laughs> if you've played against storm you might not agree but. yeah i haven't played against modern storm so probably not yeah i'm um, also having someone count all their like spells is not really that's good. the thing right it's like such it's fine if you want to just kill me in one turn, do your thing. Like, I could have 
prevented it. Mm-hmm. But why has it got to take so long and still have a 10% chance to fail? So I got to sit here just in case it does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so funny. Wake me up before you combo. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, do you want to talk about this next one? Because we, uh, we've been talking about it quite a bit, I think. Sure. There was a five-mana version of this that was banned recently. Uh, this is a Time Walk. And Time Walk is a card from Alpha that was one in a blue target player. I think it was target player takes an extra turn after yeah, this tar- one. Yeah, target player. You I usually mean... target yourself with this. But... <laughs> <laughs> All right, so if you don't attack me this turn, I'll give you another turn. That, and you also don't attack me on that turn. Yeah, don't attack me on that turn either, though. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, yeah, so Time Walk has just... It, the card was so powerful and so ubiquitous that it's just become like shorthand for any card that takes an extra turn. Yeah. So All Runs Epiphany is a time walk. Yeah, exactly. Um, especially because, you know, people just can't really play time walk in most formats. It's just like, it was ridiculous it was ever printed. It's it's ridiculous. Um, yeah, two mana? Two mana. Oh, like, this card just got banned at five. Yeah. At three blue blue. So... And it's been banned at seven, given it was an instant and shuffled back into your library. Ex- yes, exactly. So Nexus of Fate is the worst. Um, anyway, Time Walk, uh, a lot of people refer to it as, of course, any card that gives you an extra turn. But also, if you happen to, um, like, don't do anything on your turn or miss a land drop and can't do anything or something. Sometimes you'd be like, oh, I Time Walked myself. That's a good point. If, like, sometimes memory lapse is described as a time walk because mm-hmm. it's like they tap out to play a card, you put it right on top of their library, so next turn they will be in the exact same position they were just in. Yeah. If they don't get to play... You'll say, I time walked my opponent. Yes, exactly. So if they didn't get to play another land or anything, it's like they had the exact same turn, it would be like, oh, I time walked them. Um, so it can be used as a verb like that as well. Uh, which and that's actually more common because the actual card time walk or or these time extra turn taking cards aren't super common these days. Mm-hmm. It's more common you'll be like I took an action that made my opponent start from the same position as they are currently in next turn. Exactly. Uh, all right. So this is one of my favorite ones. This next one. So this is uh, something on a stick, uh, and I had originally thought this this was like. Uh, older than it was i don't know if it actually started here um but it it felt like it might have been older but i don't remember hearing about it until later i don't really know but um so this is uh basically isochron scepter is a card that was in mirrodin the original one and it imprinted an instant onto it when you played it and so they would say oh it's uh counterspell on a stick or something mm-hmm. so isochron scepter looked like a stick in the picture it was a scepter. Yeah. It was a scepter, and uh, you imprint something onto it. So you can be like, oh, whatever is on a stick. Boomerang on a stick, all right? <laughs> That's good. Um, totally. However, now it is more referenced to as when you're talking about something, new cards. So you're like, oh, sweet, this is just Counterspell on a stick, or this is just um, any spell that you normally would have played, but now it's a creature, or it's an artifact or something? or I think of it as like generally a creature mm-hmm. with an enters the battlefield ability that does a certain spell. Like if it came down and bounced something to its owner's hand, I'd be like, oh, it's Boomerang on a stick. Yeah. Even though it's not something you repeatedly do. It's just exactly. 
Yeah. yeah. Um, so something like, um, what's that creature from the Quandrix one that uh, comes into play and just uh, tutors up a land? Quandrix <laughs> um, Cultivator. Cultivator, yeah. Quandrix Cultivator. Um, so it'd be like rampant growth on a stick or something, right? Except for it comes into play untapped. Never mind. I don't even know what that card is. Yeah, there must be some, there some might card be. that does that. But anyway, so the idea is that like, oh, it's a, a very common spell on a stick. Um, what is the... Uh... I mean, Mana War is, is unsummoned on a stick or whatever. Right, so it's like Reclamation Sage is like a disenchant on a stick, right? There you go, yeah. Yeah, perfect exactly. Perfect example. So um, there has been discrepancy whether you should call something on a stick or on legs. So there are people that believe that a stick is an artifact... And if it's a creature, it's on legs. So you would say Reclamation Sage is a disenchant on legs. Um, yeah, I've heard both. It doesn't really matter. Uh, if you say on a stick, people will still be like, yeah, sure, whatever. Um, but if you're very Vorthos, on legs makes more sense. All right. So the next one is one of my favorites. And uh, I think it's like a big one that people would have seen recently but if they don't know what it means you just don't know what it means and that's aristocrat and so this is mostly used in terms of a deck name i'm playing aristocrats you know i'm playing like mm-hmm. orzov aristocrats or i'm playing rakdos aristocrats and what it means is basically sacrifice based strategies so, in particular, an aristocrat was a creature that would sacrifice things for value. And this comes from, like, quite a long time ago. Um, it was one of the Pro Tours. I don't remember exactly which Pro Tour, but it was, uh, like, around Innistrad. And, uh, like, Ravnica, like, Return to Ravnica, mm-hmm. I want to say. And I think it was Sam Black built a deck called The Aristocrats, back when you were allowed to build decks with cool names and uh (laughs) it was basically a deck that just sacrificed things for value and it was built around two cards cartel aristocrat and falcon wrath aristocrat so that was the name of the deck both of these cards were the things that sacrificed stuff so cartel aristocrat was like a two it was a bear that could sacrifice things to gain protection from a certain color falcon wrath aristocrat was like a bigger four mana vampire that it would sacrifice things to get counters and like it would do all sorts of crazy shit. But that was when I think people really realized how strong it is to just sacrifice things whenever you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Sam Black was quoted mm-hmm. after he built that deck as saying like sacrificing, sacrificing permanence is one of the strongest abilities mm-hmm. in magic. And so uh, I think Tom Martell won that pro tour with Sam's deck. Interesting. And so that kind of like burst onto the scene as, oh, there's a deck where you just like sacrifice your own stuff and that's how you win. And, but nobody could beat it because it's so hard to interact with. Like, mm-hmm. You just, oh, I play this, I sacrifice it. And you're like, did I ever get priority there? You're like, oh, no, you didn't. No. <laughs> you can respond to this, I win the game trigger though. That, that's up to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, now anything that's based on sacrificing or whatever, even if there's no aristocrats in the name, it's just always called aristocrats now. Yeah. So or, that's why I'm, it's. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, it's just so interesting because like, I uh, I had heard about aristocrats and I didn't really know the story about Sam Black, but I knew there was a deck called Aristocrats, and I always mm-hmm. thought that they, there was like this old joke 
uh, similar to like who's on first, uh, who's on second or whatever that that kind of like play. It's like, I don't know, I'm third. Yeah, exactly, all that that kind of thing. And it's one of those stories where it's like it's a joke that like goes through a bunch of like it's a very convoluted story and all this stuff. And the punchline is the where are the aristocrats or something? And that's just like a story, I guess. Like I don't really know much yeah. about it, but like I always assumed it had something to do with that, where it was just kind of like I don't know a bunch of convoluted stuff that you keep doing, and then it's hey, we're done, hey. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so <laughs> that's what I kind of thought. No, it's because the engine cards were cartel aristocrat. And that Rockers makes a lot more sense than what I had thought. <laughs> <laughs> But it got that name from it, right? Like, oh, I have a deck with, like, seven aristocrats in it. I'm going to call it the Aristocrats. Yeah, exactly. I like that. That's funny. Which is Um, why when the Cat Oven took over Sacrifice decks, mm -hmm. I was just disappointed we weren't allowed to call it the Aristocats. (laughs) I don't know why they don't call it the Aristocats. That's so good. (laughs) Why? (laughs) Anyways, Aristocrats, Sacrifice-based strategies. Exactly. Um, This next one... uh, for those arena players out there, which is everyone that we're talking to, because this is Rita uh, podcast, this is gold fishing. So if you didn't know what gold fishing was, it's basically when you just take a new deck and you play it against Sparky for as long as you want uh, to see how your deck works. That's what gold fishing yes. is, because you can't do it any other way. See, those of us, you know, in the old days who didn't have access to such software, we had to play against nobody on the other side of the table, and that's what a. So gold fishing was is like how fast do you goldfish? It means how fast do you deal twenty damage when there's no opponent? Yeah, and you're just playing with your deck. You're just kind of like practicing drawing your cards and like playing everything out and seeing how it works and and getting your sequencing down because a lot of like learning your own deck is doesn't matter what your opponent's turn. It's like oh should I play this before this or after this? Mm-hmm. Or... Yeah, so that's yeah. gold fishing, uh, and we use Sparky for that. Sorry, Sparky, you get abused. A lot, a lot, a lot. Just wait for the day that Sparky wins the uh, the pro tour. The pro tour. The, the when Sparky designs a card because it won worlds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. I meant that Sparky is going to learn flesh and blood and win the pro. Oh tour. yes. Oh, sorry. Yes, of course. <laughs> of course, of course. Beat Greg Kowalski. <laughs> Be in the finals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so awful. All right, Jeff. Uh, can you do this last one and take us home? All right, this is one I don't do often enough. This is tank or tanking. So uh, contrary to like popular sports uh, terminology, this does not mean losing on purpose. So if you were a sports fan, you came into Magic, you heard he's tanking, you might think it means he's losing on purpose for whatever reason. No, it actually just means, essentially it means thinking. Yeah means like thinking deeply so you know how in magic a lot of your turns take 30 seconds you play a land you think about what the best one drop is you play it you go or some of them take five seconds you play a land you pass or whatever and then some of the turns take minutes where you're just like and then you end up going i don't know and you just play something yeah you were in you were tanking you were in the tank yeah that turn. basically the think tank uh yeah. you go into it and that's where you start to think about all the different branches that you could, as soon as you play this one card, you could go in a bunch of different ways. What could happen. Yeah, yeah. What, uh, which line do you want to take is basically what it, what it is. Um, but it is interesting because it's just different than other sports, I guess. <laughs> this isn't a sport. I don't know. It's a different than other things. 
Um, it might come from something like it might come from chess or something. I was trying to think about maybe? this, but then it's like the think tank. But aren't chess players always tanking? Like every move is like that, kind of. <laughs> yeah, um, unless you know, I don't know. I, I don't know enough about chess, but it'd be cool to know more. Um, All I know is that Sparky could probably beat me at chess. Oh, for sure, absolutely. Are you kidding? I, well, unless their pieces are worse than mine, which is basically what playing Sparky is right now. Where yeah. oh, you, oh you, that's the deck you brought? Okay, <laughs> we're we're fine. <laughs> basically, goldfish. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh, there are some cards that have been nicknamed by people, and these are just three of the ones that we thought that were most interesting. Um, obviously, people nickname cards all the time about different things, um, but these ones either are really famous or come up more often or just are kind of cool. Uh, so, Jeff, you've talked about this first one, so do you want to start off with that? Energy Bob reference. Yes, yeah, so yeah. the first one is Bob, and this is a reference to a card called Dark Confidant. The reason it's called Bob is that this is one of the... So before, like, currently world champions get cards made that they have some amount of influence on that are in their likeness, it used to be a tournament that was specifically for that called the Magical Invitational, and they didn't have a lot of money to give out, so what they gave out was, hey, we'll, make, we'll help you design a card, or we'll design a card with you, and you get your likeness in the art. And so, uh, I don't know if this was the first one, but it's certainly the most popular one. It's not the first one, but it's the most yeah. popular one, yeah. But Bob Maher won uh, in 2004 and create, helped them create the card Dark Confidant, which was in Ravnica, I think. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so, it looks like Bob, and it's just called Bob. And there are a few around this era, so uh, Chris Bakula was meddling mage, although mm -hmm. I've never heard that card called Chris. Um, but I have heard Snapcaster Mage called Tiago. Yeah. After Tiago, who won that and created that card. I mean, we still kind of do this with uh, PV, with Elite Spellbinder. We kind of just, yeah. you're going to say PV. Um, I don't, or Javier is yeah. uh, Fervent um, Champion. Fervent Champion. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but Bob is a very, uh, it, Bob is also funny just because it just sounds like you just made up the name of the character and you. If you don't know who Bob <laughs> yeah. is, it's very easy to remember Bob because it's just like the... It's part of it, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, which is the next one I think is kind of funny because the name, I just love it because it's so stupid and just obvious. Um, just an anagram. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Grey Merchant of Asphodel, which is uh, on Arena right now. You can play it. Um, but uh, it's, <laughs> the nickname for it is Gary. Just just Gary, because Gray instead of instead of Gray, Gray, it's Gary Merchant Merchant of Asphodel, which is yeah. just so fucking stupid. What the fuck? It's so dumb. That's why I love it so much, because it's like, oh, did you just instead of it's like it's literally somebody just played the card and said, oh, it's Gary Merchant. Oh shit, no. And then like, oh, sorry, I meant Gray. It's Gray Merchant of Asphodel. Uh, yeah, yeah. My bad. And then people were just like stuck with it. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, that, that's great. I've always been confused about, like, for me, I think I would spell gray, G-R-E-Y. Yeah. So, should I be calling this Jerry? Is that like... Jerry. Uh, <laughs> I guess, maybe Jerry. I don't Throw know. Throw an extra R in there. Um, I love that these, all the ones that we were talking about have, like, just, like, generic dude names, I guess. Um, yeah. This next one is awesome, though. I really like it. Then it took me... It, it, not a lot of people talk about it, and I think the reason I only learned about it was when I was playing Commander a lot. Um, 
on the command zone they talk about it quite often but um this is a tim so i've never encountered this card okay so this IRL. this is a tim i actually had a, a had this card so it's prodigal sorcerer which is a blue card uh the basically i think it's like a 3 mana 1/1 one, one that you can tap it and it deals one damage to any target all right mm -hmm. however it's blue so that's not a blue effect that you're usually used to most of these are in uh, red nowadays but this is an old enough card that where it originally started in blue anyway so this is called a tim and the reason it's called tim is because the prodigal sorcerer in monty python and the holy grail his name is tim <laughs> but i love that it's just like some people <laughs> were that's like it. that's it that's the, that's the joke <laughs> That's awesome. People are like, it's literally like if we looked at a card. I don't, I don't even know what it would be like. Um, <laughs> it, it could literally be just like any magic card right now. I don't know, like Rankle or something. And you're like, oh, this is John Wick because it makes you sacrifice shit or like steal your stuff or whatever. Like, yeah. <laughs> like you're just naming it after a movie. Like it's just, okay, oh cool, cool. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so you could refer to any any card that taps to deal one damage as a Tim, and there are people who will understand what that is. I've heard that when it got like color shifted back to red, mm -hmm. or back to red, into red, into red, which is the correct color for it in the first place, they switched it to, like people just call it Tom, just because it's like Tim, Tim but and it's Tom. not Tim. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that was in uh, Plain, uh, Plain or Chaos. Planner Chaos, yeah, yeah. where they took old cards and, and made them into new colors. Yeah, that's where we got uh, harmonized. What about Is It Staticaster? Is that a Tim? What's Is It Staticaster? It's like the one blue-red flash, 03, that taps to deal one damage to target creature and all creatures that share a name with that creature. Um, maybe? You could probably make it's a like case. A super Tim. You could make a case for a for that being a Tim. I don't know what if you would call a Tim are the ones where you just tap it and it deals one damage to your opponent. If that counts as a Tim, you could kind of think because it has that sound like where you're like, oh, I just Tim Tim. I just Tim, Tim. you. I just Tim 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 Tim. Ping. Yeah, it's kind of it has that. I don't know, like a pinger. You ping people anyway. Um, yeah, those that's actually terms, right? Yeah, pingers, pingers for sure. Um, anyway. That's those. Those are most of the things we wanted to talk about. I know this episode's running a little long, but um, we have ten percent beers. Fun, I'm having a yeah. good time. Um, these last two, okay. So we have two more that are really important, um, and basically, uh, Jeff, I'll do the first one. You can have the second one, okay? Okay. Because you know, it just I don't know. It makes sense. I don't know why. Sure. It just does. All right. Yeah. So. Um, I like this one because... Is it because you do the first one and I do the second? Sure, yeah. I, there you go. Okay, fine. I do the first... Oh, that kind of sucks. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> so this first one is uh, something that I don't... In this last year, I haven't said very often at all. I used to say it, you know, often enough. Not like a lot, but like... Anyway, this is scoop. So basically, scoop is uh, you're conceding the match. Or the game, yeah. I guess. It's for those arena-only players out there. Yeah. Um, so scooping, it just literally refers to scooping up your lands into your hand and shuffling your deck and being yeah, like... Scooping all right. up all your cards. Yeah, a lot of... Because you're going to game two. Because you're going to game two. It's usually like, all right, three. I give up the... Or whatever. Um, and so I give up this game and we're going to the next one. I scoop them up and, and you'll literally just say, all right, I scoop. And you just pick them up, right? 
Yeah. Now, now you don't do that. You could say, "All right, I explode," and then you just <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry, my head explodes. <laughs> my head explodes. Um, <laughs> you just concede or whatever. Um, yeah. But yeah, so if you're not used to that, that it's scoop. But Jeff, you go settings concede. Yes, exactly. Settings. <laughs> I settings concede. I settings concede. Uh, <laughs> all right. So this last one is probably the most important. Yes, definitely the most important one. So um, this is Bolt the Bird. All right, so we have like 25 years of history I got to go through here with this. Okay. (laughs) Uh, No, so (laughs) two very popular old cards, I think Alpha. Mm -hmm. Uh, Birds of Paradise, which is a one mana green creature, O2 flying, can tap for one mana of any color. And there is Lightning Bolt. Mm -hmm. One red mana, instant speed, deal three damage to any target. The idea is that if your opponent plays a Birds of Paradise on turn one, they are going to get too ahead, far ahead of you in mana that even though you don't know what's in their hand, it's possible they don't have a three-mana card to play, you should cast your Lightning Bolt targeting their Birds of Paradise. So it's kind of a mnemonic. To help you remember what the correct play is, it's almost always to destroy their Birds of Paradise with your Lightning Bolt, so people always say, always bolt the bird. Yeah. Bolt the bird. Um, and this refers to uh, almost any, like people will say this about any um, mana producing creature. So if you have an elf yeah, like, or, or a line of war elf or uh, any anything that like their turn one play is a creature that taps for mana, you bolt the bird. You kill it. If you can, kill it. Exactly. Like I think that to myself when I cast Stomp targeting my opponent's line of war elf mm-hmm. on turn two, you know? Yeah. Always bolt the bird. Bolt the bird. Kill it. Kill it good. And so obviously 100% correct all the time, but it's it's good enough that, you know, people just thought... People lost enough to leave letting the bird live that they decided, let's come up with bolt the bird yeah. so I'll never forget it. Exactly. So now uh, you, you'll be used to it. It's, um, it's called counter the uh, expressive iteration. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's it's very similar to that. That's that's what you're brainstorm trying to do. the thoughtsies. Bra- brainstorm the thoughtsies. Uh, but anyway, whew, we've been going for a while. But this is <laughs> this is magic slang. There's even a lot more. And there are so many. There's we so didn't many. Talk about that's the crazy thing. There are so many that we didn't talk about. Um, but you know, over through the, this whole thing, I, I do think it's just really interesting. What which ones uh, players made up that were. St- ridiculous and just like gary okay easy done player made that yeah. up as opposed to things that uh wizards made up which are um closer to uh all the different color things or like which players or represent what type of player all that kind of stuff um and then the stuff that's kind of in between of like wizards made a card that does this and players decided to make that into a term for yeah. any card that does this exactly like we didn't even talk about how a wrath is a something that destroys all creatures. Yeah, like a wrath of God. Hey, look at that! Mm-hmm. Boom! Now we covered it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a ton of those kinds of things, uh, and it's just really fun to look at. Uh, so if you uh, if you'd love to uh, send us some more ideas, find us on Twitter and Instagram, Andrew Green Regulars. Yeah. 
we're not ready to do the the end of the show, but we are ready to do the last call. I think Jeff, do you have any last uh, thoughts before we go to the last call? Uh, I do. I would just <laughs> like to add that I'm really looking forward to what kind of vernacular the community comes up with in the future. Ooh, oh wow, you're so uplifting and hopeful for yes. the future. That's beautiful, Jeff. <laughs> I really like that. Thank you. Well, what a nice way to, to go to go into a break. So, Jeff, I don't think we need to do a reveal. Are we ready for the big reveal? It's not a big reveal, Jeff. It's, <laughs> it's a big reveal. Okay. It's, it's very obvious. Three. All right. Two. One. Oh, my uh, goodness. Oh, my we gosh. We both picked my beer. We both picked your beer. How did that happen? <laughs> well, is it because it's 10% and also in a cool bottle and also tastes great? I think it's because it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> So the the guy at the liquor store when I got this was actually looked at it when I bought it and was like, "Oh my God, we have this in stock! I, I'm gonna this is what I'm buying after work right now." Oh, <laughs> I still have the saddest little. Hold on. Sound. Oh, look at you just did muscle I, did it. Did I get one? Yeah. <laughs> See, I pull it out. I do it like I do uh, whatever. See, like, you do it like you're serving it to someone else. Yeah. Well, I'm serving it to the most important person, which is myself. So, <laughs> uh, anyway, so I did have high hopes going into this thinking, oh, this is going to be really great because this, you know, this guy at the liquor store said that it's his like favorite beer ever, basically. Um, and I don't think it's definitely not my favorite beer ever, but I think it's really good. Yeah. He might have oversold you, but it's still great. It's still no, great. Like... It's great. So as always, we rate beer on a scale of bronze to mythic. Uh, so basically these are the tiers in arena, obviously. Um, these have no, uh, they, they mean nothing to the tiers in, in arena and what you, tier you are. It doesn't, we don't it's care. True. We don't care what tier you are in arena. If you're a bronze player in arena, we don't think that you're a bad beer that we don't want to drink anymore. Yeah, exactly. So that's, uh, a bronze beer is trash. Trash is, uh, doesn't belong in my mouth. And I, I throw it into the garbage can is what the trash, it was a bronze beer is. <laughs> It's very rare. Uh, silver is like a macro brew or basically it has nothing going on. Nothing super interesting, but, you know, hey, at least it's not a bronze beer. Exactly. Uh, gold is, well, this is fine. I don't really want to drink this often, but I'll have it when I see it. Platinum is pretty good. I would drink this again. Uh, diamond is, wow, this is exceptional. I would definitely recommend this, and I'm going to drink this again. And Mythic is the absolute best. This is what you can't stop telling everyone else about. And they're like, oh, man, this stupid beer guy and his, his mythic beers over here. Uh, you would see, you would recommend this beer to absolutely anyone and everyone. Mm -hmm. 100%. Um, let's probably start out with the one that we uh, picked. So this is... Or did, uh, we want, or did we want to very quickly go through the other one? I guess both are options. Um, Jeff, you're making this hard. What? Before I before I forget what the other one tastes like. Okay, let's this, talk about yeah. the other one because I already forgot what it tastes like because it was the first beer I drank. Okay, um, uh, so my thoughts on it, just to get them down on paper, mm -hmm. um, it's a cherry wit. It delivers on that, but it didn't blow my mind. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. I uh, I don't care uh, that much about it. Yeah, I think like. They did a good job, I suppose, delivering on that style. Cherry wasn't super pronounced, but it wasn't also totally hiding in the background, so that's good. Yeah, I could definitely taste the cherry. Um, it wasn't as weedy as I was thinking, which I kind of liked, which is fine. 
Um, right, because you're not the biggest wheat beer. Yeah, I think guy. I really think that like uh, if I'm drinking a wheat beer, like uh, essentially a uh, a blue moon or like a, a shock top or just like perfect and there, nothing needs to change. I was like, yep, th- that's fine. Other wheat beers tend to do a bad job, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And I like it with a slice of orange and nothing else. <laughs> and that's that's kind of how I feel about wheats for the most part. Um, so this one was nice that it wasn't too weedy, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't need it. It's fine. It's a, it, I think it was gold for me. It feels really gold, like super gold. Like, mm-hmm. good job, you got you made gold. I mean, maybe on another night, you know, paired against a different beer. No, nope. uh, uh, it's gold. I don't think it. I don't think so. Yeah. It's <laughs> Uh, it did have, uh, it had a hard time holding up to this, this, uh, this, this cascade for sure. All right. So let's talk about this one. Valley Flora. I mm-hmm. mean, this one just, I didn't know what to expect. I had, I had you, some ideas. And when it you look at it, it, it's like, it's almost like, is this beer or is it wine? You know, like the description mm-hmm. almost it says it's half beer and half wine kind of in yeah. characteristic. So this is the main thing. So you had brought this beer. You told me to go pick this up. I was so surprised because this looks exactly like the thing I would bring, you know, half beer, half wine, sour, something weird, high alcohol. I was like, did Jeff just read my mind and exactly what I wish I had seen first? (laughs) Yeah. Because I did not know that this was a thing and I had to go look it up and I found it. And now I bought it because it said it was a barrel aged red ale. And that's yeah. So I get that. Yeah. It's not really what's going on here. Is Absolutely it? not. No, it's, it doesn't <laughs> taste like that at all. However, then it says with Pinot Noir grapes and barrels. I'm like, oh, baby, I'm going to like this so much. Yeah. Um, because as you may have remembered, um, one of my favorite beers that uh, I rated Mythic on this podcast was a, a sour that was made with Riesling grapes as well, um, mm-hmm. which is from Blood Brothers. And I love it. And... I, uh, that, that's basically what I have to say about this. It's uh, getting close there. Like, yeah, this was great. I think my only complaint is that, um, it is, it just is a sour. It's mm-hmm. a sour, uh, that has that wine stuff going on. So it's a lot of that same category. Mm-hmm. It's not really a barrel aged red ale. It's a sour ale. <laughs> it's not the same thing. Yeah. Uh, like you don't just put red ale into a, wine barrel and get something that tastes like this you know so uh so it wasn't it actually wasn't what i was really expecting at all but it is pretty good the first sip really like smacked me in the face Mm -hmm. it's like oh it's it's like a sour i guess so this is funny because i knew immediately this was a sour Mm -hmm. because you sent it to me and i was like okay barrel aged red for sure but it says northwest sour at the bottom and it says pinot noir grapes i'm like oh for sure this is a sour beer absolutely like, you're not going to yeah. put grapes in your beer unless you want it to be sour. Like, Yeah, I, I guess I thought that it because it was saying barrel-aged red, that it was going to be, like, red with some funk to it, kind of mm-hmm. like some of the Bellwood stuff with the bread. Sure, um, okay. That type of thing. And it turned out to be, like, heavy on the sour, and I don't know if a red ale was ever involved in this process, but if it was, it was... <laughs> it like, looks like it was at one point. But that being said, I still really enjoyed it. Like, the first sip hit me, like, mm-hmm. wow... And then I started to realize it's, it's you know, what it is. And, and my mouth acclimated to, to the taste. And stuff Absolutely. Like that. Um, but it's really enjoyable. I think for me, it's it's diamond. Yeah. I liked it. 
Um, it's still not the perfect uh, beer for me because it's, it is a bit, you know, like you, you would appreciate the wine flavors more than I would because you know wine and uh, I don't really, like I, I don't think I'm tasting Pinot Noir grapes over grape personally. Yeah. Because I, I don't have that uh, flavor palette yet. Totally. Um, I, as far as that goes, like Pinot Noir grapes are usually like, it's the, the softest of the reds, so it doesn't have as much of a pronounced taste. It's going to be, uh, the other one that I really like that I was saying is Riesling. It has a similar mm-hmm. taste to that as far as the grapiness goes. So it makes I, it good for merging with beer, I guess, is it doesn't overpower the beer because it's the yeah. mildest grape. Very mild as far as like reds go. Um, so I was surprised to see the Pinot. I was usually thinking that I would like a white uh, paired with the, this this beer, but I and and for a while I was wondering if it was red ale that was aged in Pinot Noir barrels. Uh, I think that would be awesome. That would be really inter- interesting as well. Um, That's what I thought it was when I bought it. Yes. Okay. <laughs> but then when, uh, but because it says with Pinot Noir grapes, I was like, well, for sure, this is going to be really. Uh, so the thing about this is that, like, um, I'm 100% going to recommend this to somebody. I'm going to go back and want to drink everything that they make. And so there's no yes, way they I... they had another one that I wanted yeah, to get. Yeah, and they have other ones, and they come out all the time in different vintages. If I'm in Portland, I'm probably going to look this place up. There's no way that I can't totally. give this myth. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm giving this mythic okay. just because, like, I'm totally on board with whatever they're doing. I love their labels. I like their bottles. I'm going to drink everything that I see that they have. For sure. They, they, that's what's, as far as the beer goes, like, I'm definitely going to drink this again. And I'm definitely going to tell people about it. And probably somebody I don't know. Just like the dude who I bought the beer from was talking to me about it. Um, so I don't know if I get, went, in it, went, went into it with that. But um, totally, it, uh, it's definitely right up my alley. Something I would love. I'm going to buy this so my uh, partner can, can drink it because she'll, she'll like it as well. And um yeah this is great the only awesome. bad thing is that it's like 12 bucks or whatever and that's uh <laughs> wish it wasn't that expensive but yeah although i mean it says it's been aged since 2017 so exactly it's, like, it's also like three beers so <laughs> yeah anyway whew, all right this has been a great episode i've been really happy with all of it um yeah. i hope all of you have really enjoyed it as well but i think it's closing i had a lot time. of fun yeah i had a lot of fun it's been long <laughs> but it's definitely closing time Please talk to us about how uh, you liked this episode or other magic slang that we missed or things that you would like us to talk about in the future at Arena Regulars on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, or you can send us some sweet emotes or stickers or what have you on Arena itself. Under the We'll be under the username Arena Regulars Podcast. That is us. Uh, usually me on my phone, uh, if I'm ever on it. I don't know <laughs> how you use it, but... Um, uh, I've actually been playing on my phone a yeah. little bit as well. It's been good. I, I, I like it. Uh, anyway. Um, it works better than I thought it would, but they're just certain weird things. That yeah, exactly. Used to. Um, I tried building a deck on my phone. Oh, fuck, that was hard. I was Nightmare. like, oh, God. Uh, anyway, um, if you want to talk to me personally and try to give me better beers to bring so that Jeff doesn't steamroll me like this episode, um, <laughs> you can find me at Zulberg on Twitter and Instagram. That's Z-E-U-L-B-E-R-G. But Jeff, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter uh, at BlueBrewsMTG, spelled like it sounds. Yeah, it is. And uh, we would love if you would 
Give us a follow on all the places that you're listening to this podcast. That's Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We would love you to come subscribe to our YouTube channel. Leave us a couple of comments on our videos. We may have some more exciting ones coming up in the future. You'll have to keep Ooh-hoo. checking to see if those are up or not. Bury the lead. Uh, but just give us a like or a, a comment. It really means a lot to us, and we'd love to interact with you. This has been the Arena Regulars. Reminding you that if they're going to bolt your bird, you got to flicker. But if they decide to wrath, you got to blink. Good night. All right, that's fine.